You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. time I keep the phone on anymore is if I need to time the episode myself because Gordo's out with Dick Stones. Like, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's his band, by the way. Ah, he's on tour with the Stones. The Rolling Stones? No, no, no. He's, 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 no, it's the Dick Stones. he's out with the Dick Stones. <laughs> and he's not on tour. He's in the hospital. He's on a tour of the Dick Stone ward say, at the I'm, hospital. I'm touring the second level of the hospital. <laughs> Come on, man. Give me a little bit of credit. Excuse me. Where is the... um? Um, where's the snack room? It's just me and the tin whistle. And dude, that is one of the, <laughs> that is one of the best parts about one of the best parts about having a baby is the dad room at the hospital. Have you seen the dad room at the hospital? What is what is the dad room? The da- well, it's what it really means is the room where dad goes to fetch things for mom. They have like a bark loungers and video games? No, 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 no. It's it's just a... Cigars and high fives? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fridge full of high fives like, and like individual dude. packaging? It's a boy's. Did you make the baby? <laughs> I did. You hey, smoke? did yeah. you have sex too? <laughs> right on. <laughs> we got proof. Um, <laughs> no, it's just a room with... A bunch of cereal boxes and bagels and a refrigerator full of cheese and Gatorade and yogurt. <laughs> That's what it is. And yogurt? you can have as much as you want. Gogurt or yogurt? Yogurt. Okay. Like like full on yogurt. Got excited there for a like second. Like pallets of yogurt. Does it have a sign on the door that's like dad room? Or? I think they called it. I think that that's how they refer to it. <laughs> Colloquially, he's got yeah. <laughs> Does dad it have a door room. that says like, "dad room" or like 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 father area or something? You know, like like something <laughs> silly like that's just what they kept calling it to me. Yeah, I don't know what they actually called it, but it was liter- It was like the snack room. It's like where you went to go get juice and water and st- go get stuff for mom. Good. And I think they jokingly referred to it as the dad room because that's like you're the one who's constantly getting sent out. It's like. It's is like, it hey, the, babe, you want something to eat? I could stand to get out of this fucking room for five seconds. Is it the rad dad pad? <laughs> it's the rad dad pad. By the way, I'll have you know that the rad and rad dad stands for radicalized, okay? It's not well, so I know, cute anymore. I know. We, yeah, we pretty much, yeah, we, we established that in the last episode, I think. I don't think we talked yeah. about it on the episode. We talked Radi- about it in the hallway. Yeah, oh, okay. And so I couldn't let that well, joke you, you go better, to waste. Yeah, you better, you better get that out there then. <laughs> Radicalized father. Welcome to episode number 84 of the motherfucking podcast. We're doing, uh, we, we, you get a bonus episode this week, which is really cool because we just bonus. had a banger of an episode 83. Uh, that we just released. I started listening to it on the way over to quell my post-stoner anxiety. Pretty much every time. Here, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. Because it's probably going to come what, up during... What did I do? What did I say? Pretty, what, what, what did I do? Pretty much. Pretty much every time we do a podcast in the moment, especially if I'm like too high, like like if I'm like 100, and, 100, 150 milligrams of like ice cream, like cannabis ice cream high... 
I start thinking the whole time. I'm like, oh man, did I did that come out wrong? What did I say? Does that man that was must have been? Oh, I don't know. Was that offensive? It had to, man, why is everybody looking at me like that? And I worry. Well, I don't. I don't worry quite as much as when it's going on as I do after the fact when I'm at home thinking about it later and I'm like, ah, I got to listen to that episode and make sure I didn't say anything stupid. Right. And then every time I listen to the episode and it's fine yeah. and it was a fun episode and everybody had a good time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, last week's episode, we sat down with uh, R. Allen Brooks, the creator of the Burning Metronome comic series. I've started reading it. It is, it is a great series. Check it out. Look up the Burning Metronome. Just Google that shit. You'll find it somewhere. Also, I had Jake Fairley, the cre- uh, the co-creator of our comic book, The Front Lines of Good Times, which, by the way, I have to get this on mic because you just made my fucking day by telling me this. You saw it on Hank Von Hell's bus, our comic. I did. Yeah. yeah. See, Reed... Ac- Sweet. We just opened the local show, but Reed actually got to go on, like, tour tour for a little bit, and we'll talk about that a little bit on oh, the right show. right on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and happened to see our book up on Hank's bus, and that man that made my day. Like I said, this is episode eighty-four of the motherfucking podcast. This is, of course, the official podcast of the International Power Rock Combo, motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. I'm Aaron Howell. I'm Gordo. And uh, our guest today for this this very special bonus episode is a, is an old friend of mine, and uh, and you know we've we've. Touched base kind of on and off over the years, but you know, I've always, I I like to think have always wished each other well in our in our careers, and have always run on kind of winding yet intersecting paths through throughout our our respective careers, and um, and uh, just a good guy, and uh, definitely a legend in the eyes of many, and and someone I've known since we were we were wee shavers. Uh, and uh, not just a great front man, but also brilliant marketer and writer. You're a writer now too, right? Uh, yeah. Like, like a, con- a contributing writer? Yeah. A little bit of everything. Yeah. You're doing a lot of things. Please welcome front man for Overdose, right. former front man for Poison Rights, mm-hmm. and most notably to many of you, former front man, Poison Rights was officially called, you just like, that was over and you moved to New York, right? Yeah, but it's never in like bad blood. Like I'm, if... if a, a reunion happened. I mean, nobody would be like, absolutely not. You so know? you're not a former frontman of anybody because everything is just kind of in stasis right now. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. So current. Thank you. <laughs> hibernating frontman of uh, Poison Rights and of course Speed Wolf. Also, he's a uh, contributor to Kerrang and you contributed to Noisy as well, right? No, just just Kerrang. Kerrang. I've, I've been interviewed for other like stuff in New York, but. Oh, okay, as far cool. as my own writing, Kerrang. Yeah. Okay, in, in Kerrang. Sorry, I don't do any research at all. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was just, I was just excited to bullshit with you. So. <laughs> I know, man. I'm excited about it, too. Um, and then, let's see, what else? Oh, founder, owner, and operator of Splattered Records as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah you do a lot of shit, man. Please yeah. welcome to the show my old friend, Reed Brummer, a.k.a. Reed Wolf. Please welcome yeah. to the show, dude. <laughs> Thanks for clapping, Gordo. <laughs> <laughs> Audience of one. Yeah. I like the one the one man clap because it's like, hey, you didn't have to clap. We're yeah. three grown men in the studio together, but we clap anyway because it's it's the festive and fun and supportive thing to do, right? I'm right. stoked. Absolutely, dude. Reed, how have you been, man? 
we, uh, we, we kind of limited the catching up before we got in. So like, I want to like, I want to open it up and find out what the fuck that you've been up to. Cause I probably haven't seen you in, it's like close to five years. It's five been years. It, no, I think the last time I saw you what? Oh no! The last time I saw you was the last time I saw you was when you and Richie played together and you jammed with us. So it's only been a couple of years. That was the last time you saw. Him? The last time I saw you was when us and Poison Rights played with Nashville Pussy at Streets. At Streets, right. and you and Richie got up and played together. Yeah, it was I fun. think that's the last time I saw you in person. You, you guys like orchestrated all that. It was like big uh, heartwarming. You know? <laughs> Dude, I was so happy about that. Yeah, everybody was. It was that, fun. that was a proud moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, you know, I mean, you know, Richie's my brother-in-law. So, you yeah. know, I mean, while the whole thing was going on with you guys and I've had him on the show and, and, and we've talked about things and, and seeing you guys get back together and it just looked so right. And it was, it was just a beautiful thing, man. I think about giving up the war a lot. You know what I mean? And then when I see things like that, where people did give it up. And then they got back together and, and, and did it again and, you know, caught up and broke down again, you know, like seeing that it was just, it was very reaffirming of like, oh yeah, this is fun. This is why people do it is because, right. you know, it's fun. It's fun to get together and play rock and roll with your friends. Yeah. And to see that it means something to somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's like people in town that like fucking freak out over that band. I mean, and I'm grateful for it, but it still blows my mind. You know? Right. Because it's like, I don't know, dudes just like everybody else, like trying to start a rock band and, you know, do you travel the world doing it, you know? So you guys had the right thing going. You yeah. had the right, like, I mean, timing. I mean, it's a ripping record. It's a great record and they're great songs and it was a great band, but so much of it. It was just like, it was like when that Speed Wolf record came out, it was the perfect package and people just got into it immediately. Oh, thanks. Man. Yeah, it was really cool, man. Yeah, so I think it's probably been that long since I've seen you and this is before you moved to New York, right? Right. Let's talk about, first of all, let's just get one thing out of the way because <laughs> a lot of people are going to be listening to this to hear this question a answered. What the fuck is up with Speed Wolf? Like, when are you guys going to play again? What's, what's the plan? Uh, Do you have any plan? Well, it's funny because I want to I want to think about how honest I should be about this. this be told, I mean, be be as honest as you be as honest as you want. And if something comes out and you don't like it, we'll edit it. We'll cut <laughs> sure. it out in post. In fact, we'll even cut out this in post. Me explaining to but, you that you can say whatever the fuck you want, and we'll cut it out if you don't want it to later. I mean, I'm pretty much an open book, anyways. Like, I don't really have anything to hide. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, mean, I figured as much, but I wanted to take that little bit of pressure that might be there off. It's funny, we've been asked, we did a reunion show a year ago in Denver. I think it's a year and a half ago now. Um, and it was for... Electric, electric funeral, funeral, right? <laughs> and it was like wild. I mean, we were blown away at like the turnout. I mean, people flew in from like all over the world to see us like play Three Kings, you know? <laughs> like, right, that's and amazing. It, and it was fun. And like, and since then, like offers were pouring in for reunion shows and stuff. And, uh, you know, we entertained everything, and most of that comes through me because I do the email and stuff. And uh, we always were just like, yeah, I mean, let's just keep doing them if they keep coming in. And, like, you know, as long as we can afford to and do the whole thing. So since I live in New York and everybody else lives in Denver, I mean, things were kind of getting harder where it would be like someone would send an offer. And I'd be like, well, can you fly these guys in from here, fly me in from there, and right. give us an extra couple of days of rehearsal? And, and anyways, it the communication was just kind of getting weird between all of us and I wasn't really sure what was happening. Right. And we were all like, we love each other, we'll do it if we can do it, but 
If not, you know, we'll go about our lives in separate spots. So that kind of went on for like another, you know, or like I said, a year and a half. And um, since then, like uh, last I heard is, is some of the other guys lost interest and they don't want to do it. Um, one of our members was just like, yeah, I don't care. I don't want to do it anymore. Nah, so what a bummer, man. That's, that's the last I heard. And, and, I, and I checked my phone the other day. I got an Instagram. And uh, whoever logged into this Feedwolf Instagram and put up a big tombstone and it said, like, rest in peace, Feedwolf. And, I never, uh, I didn't see this. Yeah, and uh, and I didn't know about it, and I'm, I was in the fucking band, and I and I saw it, oh. and uh, and it was funny because I I got like all these phone calls and, and text messages, just like, dude, I'm so sorry, and I'd be like, what? I haven't talked to you in like five years. Who is this? What, what's wrong? And they're like, well, I heard about the band, and I was like, oh, overdose, and they're like, no, dude, like the band, like Speedwolf broke up, and I was like, we did. <laughs> you know? Oh and, man. I mean, we're not we're not active, and we don't like live in the same town and rehearse and tour but like there's no reason to me why we need to like you know close that door. why do you need the i mean i why do you need the finality you know what i mean unless you're like trying to cash in on like years and years of reunion tours like yeah, yeah. kiss and the gang are you know i don't i don't know i don't see the need for the finality like that it's like we can always return to it yeah, you know? I mean, and like, I, I really, you know, the guys that I was in the band with, like, you know, people go through different experiences in life and there's ups and downs, right. but like, it's never really going to change like how much fun we had when we all did that. Like, so right. I don't understand why you would want to close that door because, I mean, it's it's really not that hard to like get that together and put another 30 minutes Do on stage. Do you know who somewhere. closed the door? I have an idea, but it, it's it's just kind of like I right, right, I right. Feel, and I and I'm sure you don't want to talk about that, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, man, oh, that's that's yucky, man. That doesn't feel good. It's all good. I mean, I've played in now two bands since that band broke up. Right. I, I now have moved and like moved on with my life. Tried different forms of of art and and music and like. Yeah, I mean, you're keeping busy. You're doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I, I'm someone that's never going to stop making music and like trying to do that and so it's what's sad to me is the other guys are incredibly talented and i hate to see any of that go to waste right so i hope uh you know whatever they decide i wish them all the best and hope that one day maybe we could do it again yeah that would be awesome yeah that was that was a that was a perfect answer no thanks yeah (laughs) no that was a good answer yeah i um i know um richie's kid came to see his first axe slasher show oh yeah recently oh cool the the pictures of it were beautiful man oh i bet yeah he had the headphones on i think i saw oh oh, yeah Yeah. man he was stoked had a good time going to see uh going to see dada play the fucking drums man i didn't get a chance to see the reunion show because i didn't go down to electric funeral okay you know are you still bartending into three kings no i um i left three kings a few years ago Actually, it was probably close to four years ago. I left there shortly after Sarah and I got together, and I mean, which was shortly after I stopped drinking, and shortly after my life had just kind of started taking another direction. Yeah. And it just didn't make sense for me to be there anymore. I was getting into some conflict over there, and and things were in transition. You know, Jim was leaving, and fair enough, man. And, Say it, no more. <laughs> I, I, I mean, and, and again, I'm an open book too. You yeah. know, and it and it got a little nasty, but mostly it was just. I mean, at the end of the day, it was just it wasn't a fit anymore for anybody yeah. involved. And I had left with the intention of. Um, I'd left with the intention of becoming like 
like a therapist and life coach and and yeah, like doing trainings doing and things like that. And I still do it, but I'm I'm not doing it the way that I was trying to do it at that time, which was I was trying to make a full time living at it and I was trying to dabble in like, you know, kind of talking head life help type of stuff like philosophy and spirituality and things like that and then i started getting kind of grossed out by that growing world of you know slime ball guru types yeah you know and i didn't want to be lumped in with that so i went strictly to doing um just kind of on a on a word of mouth basis you could like be in, opening for Tony Robbins right now yeah and 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 he gets a, he gets a rough shake man but I mean he's he Tony, does well people give him shit I mean the they more give him shit because you are at anything the right. more shit you get you the know? higher you climb the more your ass shows and you know <laughs> he gets a rough shake but you know he's he's good at what he does but it was like all the people who were like trying to be the next Tony Robbins that were grossing me out, you know what I mean? And I went, okay, I want to help people, but I want to incorporate it into the broader picture of something else. And I heard this saying, this old Russian proverb of chase ra- uh, chase two rabbits, catch none. Right, and, right. and I was like, I really want to do my band and I want to expand, you know, over the last few years, we've been expanding into more of a channel. You know, we do we do music, but then we also do the comic and we do the podcast and we do the, the YouTube channel and stuff like that. And so I just wanted to more apply that into that. Um, but I, I, I left. So at that time, I left to kind of pursue the coaching thing and it didn't really work out all that well. And I ended up working at like biker gyms during the day and the Overland at night. Yeah. And, you know, six months later, I was back into bartending again, you know. Yeah. And bounced around a little bit, but I've I've been at Fire on the Mountain and doing my own thing for a while now, and it's dude, it's good, it's Fire, good. Fire on the Mountain is a restaurant? it's a it's a hippie wing joint, man. Oh, okay, I think I've been there. Yeah, I mean yeah. it. It pretty much represents so much of what drove you out of Denver. <laughs> it's like it's sort of like you know jam themed, like like Grateful Dead, Fish. Did it start in Boulder? Uh, no, it started in Portland. Oh. Three of them are, uh, started in Portland, and then uh, a couple people from here in Denver uh, bought the rights to be able to open their own restaurants here in, in Denver. And, you know, it's just chicken wings and, and sports bar, but with fish playing on the radio. Does Birkenstock own stock? <laughs> <laughs> Birkenstock stock? Dude, I want to I buy Birkenstocks. <laughs> like, I want to be do, a Birkenstock it, broker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I have melt them down in a Birkenstock pot and then make one giant Birkenstock out yeah. of them. They come with forty-minute solos. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? What do you think a Birkenstock car would look like? Do you think it would be, like be that round shape with all the holes? It would be all in it. There. <laughs> it just drives you to a bank, so you pick up a trust fund. You're like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> How'd I get here? Oh my god! This is awesome. I'm supposed to be at the that's race. The best, <laughs> that's the best answer right there. That's, that's perfect. I used to. Uh, I've been trying to make trust fund jokes for all the uh, uh, new age drugs that I've been seeing on like uh, ne- Netflix documentaries and stuff like oh, that. I'm sure. I I came up with one the other night. What and, is um, it? Jade and I were watching uh, uh, something on ayahuasca. You know the drug that you know fixes heroin addiction. <laughs> right, and, right, and, right, 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 right. 
And she was like, this one's about ayahuasca. And I was like, oh, is that the one that uh, helps you like find your trust fund? <laughs> <laughs> Because like all the all the documentaries were just about these like brats that didn't have to work, and they're like, so I was really impressed. My dad took away my iPhone, and so I went to Peru. You know, right, right, <laughs> it's right, like, right, oh, right. you fucking poor bastard. It's like, like I'm I'm really <laughs> just wanting to you know bypass my ego yeah. and also bypass uh, my dad's <laughs> hold on my inheritance. Yeah. Like I think I should get it now. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna die eventually. Right. I need the twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> to go drink ayahuasca tea in Peru. <laughs> I mean, you want me to get well, right, Dad? Like, you know, <laughs> Don't you want me to yeah. live my best life? Right, right. And be my best self? <laughs> so, I mean, let's let's talk about, on that note, let's Anyways. talk a little bit about why you left Denver. Because there was, I mean, there's been articles published about it. You know, you've been you've been interviewed a couple <laughs> times about it. Let's 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 hear about it in your own voice. Like, what what drove you to leave Denver? I left here. Pretty much, this is what's funny, and I'm glad you asked. I left here because my girlfriend wanted to go get a master's degree in New York. Yeah. And I was like, I personally had had enough of the change of this city. I didn't like it. I felt right. like a stranger in my hometown. I felt like that shitty old angry dude that yeah. was the only one sitting around going, things ain't the way they used to be. <laughs> right. And I was like, I don't want to be that guy anymore. It's not good for my health, and nothing's stopping the steamroller, right? Right. And, um, so my attitude was like, anywhere but here sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when my girl was like, I'm going to go get a master's degree in New York, you want to go? And I was like, sure. Yeah, well, you didn't really have anything holding you back. I mean, she she was the main thing in your life at that time anyway. She was like, it's such a big focus. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. that. yeah, definitely. I mean, absolutely. But Because um, at that point, I think I talked to you outside of Rocket Space and you told me that Poison Rights was snagged up and yeah. and was was stalling out and there was nothing really coming out of there. Yeah, I mean, members were of that band like quit for one reason or another, you know, and were like, uh, I don't want to like when I when I have a band, I'm usually like I'll tour all the time, I'll build my whole life around it, right? And, and oftentimes that's hard for a lot of people, and they're like, it's Dude, more that's important. That's hard. Yeah, I mean, and, and and I don't expect that from everybody, but you know, people will quit bands over it, you know? Yeah. And so I didn't have a band here. I didn't really have a career here. You know, I was just kind of working in bars and like, that's fine to get by. But my roots here were eroding and I felt like a stranger in my hometown because 250,000 people showed up when they legalized a plant one year. Do you, do you, th- <laughs> do you think it's just that or do you? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yes, no, they did. no. And, and yeah. fair enough because yeah. that is absolutely true. And, yeah. and it has changed a lot, but you and I have different approaches. Mm-hmm. Yours, yours has been definitely more successful in our little world of the industry, for sure. I would say. Talking about music. Yeah, music. I would say for sure. Oh, I mean, I don't measure it like. But well, I, well, I mean, thank you. But yeah. Well, you wanted to, you wanted to get out because of that. I kind of looked at it as more like these are just more people coming in to go to the bars and spend their money and go to shows and get into bands and stuff like that. But that's not the point I'm trying to make. You saw opportunity and. Uh, well, right, right, but. At the end of the day, it comes down to, like, how much of it was those people coming in and how much of it was there had been a major change in our personal identity as human beings. 
I know I went through a lot. I know you went through a lot. I, I didn't leave town, but I definitely left the world that we were in. You know what I mean? I pulled the ripcord out of it, too. And at times it's been easy for me to think that it's just like, oh, it's changed so much and it's changed so much. But at the end of the day, it's like, I've changed so much. Sure. You, you know what I mean? Do, yeah. you, do, you, do you think that at the time that you left, it was just time? If Denver hadn't had that flood of people coming in, do you think you would have been ready to go anyway? Yeah, I mean, that could have happened. I mean, because of the situation I was in with like work and, and the art, you know what I mean? The music. Right. I mean, people like my parent, our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation, people used to move around all the fucking time. You right. Know I mean? It's like rarer more to stay in one spot. You right. Know, than it kind of ever has been. I mean, in my opinion, you know, right. so yes. Yeah. I mean, I could have, no, just, that's true. You kind of just moved around wherever the opportunity was. Right. And I'm in my thirties and you know, I've been here for a long fucking time and I was like, you know what? I need to change. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. People ask me this all the time, and, like, I could sit there and be like, fucking legal weed ruined my life, bro. Right, right, right. That's not the case. That's not the whole story. No, and, like, but I think that the story of what happened to Denver is very unique, and I think that that story isn't – the truth behind that story isn't often told. You know, you t- they, right. You know, you hear that. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. That wasn't a sigh of like, here we go. That was like a sigh of like, no, you're absolutely right. Well, like, like, it's funny because we landed at the airport a few hours ago, and we already had like a long talk about it on the drive in. Yeah, yeah. I grew up between the South and Denver because I had split folks. Right. My dad lived in Austin for a long time. And Austin's a t- city that it's a titty. It's <laughs> Austin's a city. A titty. Austin is two titties that are both <laughs> growing simultaneously, and one's a little bigger than the other. Yeah. Sweet and cute. if you're lucky, at one point in your life, and you play in a shitty rock band, you can live on those titties. <laughs> no, but so. Well, you don't want to live there. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. So my old man lived there for a long time, and and people would go. Well, why don't you move to Austin? And I'd be like, well, the same gentrification thing is happening there. But it, it happened. I mean, people moved to Austin because they want to, like, make music and make art. And it's like this 10-year gradual growth there. Like, Denver, it was overnight and it was unexpected. Right. And whether it be weed or that just be another factor that made people want to come here. You know, some kid who graduated college in Chicago and he's like, well, I want to fucking go snowboarding in the, in the wintertime and ride right. my mountain bike in the summer. and fuck yeah, I love weed and craft beer. I'm going there. I mean, I get it. You know what I mean? But like... It was a perfect storm kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, we just got a lot of heat all of a sudden. Yeah. And it was because of weed. Yeah. It was because of the tech boom. Mm-hmm. And the more people talked about it and the more people hyped it up, the more things they found. And it's like, oh, they got an outdoor amphitheater yeah, yeah. where fucking string cheese plays. Right, and, right. Oh, they got skiing and fuck. Yeah. They've got hot springs. And like, they kept finding finding more things mm-hmm. and talking about it. It wasn't just the weed. You know what I mean? It was just, but it was this explosion of like everyone, like developer who built like little pop-up plastic houses wanted to come up here and just buy up a bunch of real estate. And that's, that's the thing that upset me the most Yeah, is the money came in like weed, whatever, like whatever you know, it startup was or whatever, or it was money that came in. It was money without, it was unscrupulous money. Yeah. You've been in a rock and roll band a long time. Gordo's yeah. been in a rock and roll band a long time. You gotta vet somebody before they join the gang. You yeah. know what I mean? You've gotta, you've gotta make sure someone can hang first. And these these companies, mm. they didn't fucking vet themselves, man. No. They didn't. 
They didn't come in and like try to preserve our weird. You know, they didn't yeah. come in and try and preserve our grit. Yeah. I like corporations, man. Like I like that they make cool shit, but I just, you know, like they just so much stuff got shut down and so many like cool properties got knocked down and I get it. I mean, those old properties were once new properties yeah. and I'm sure some farmer out on a pasture was looking at Capitol Hill being m- built and was like, the whole goddamn country's going to hell. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, at one point. It was so rapid here and it was so in your face and I mean, I worked in the service industry my whole life, bartender for 15 right. years. I'm serving these brats beers, dying for that dollar. They're going to tip me on that beer. Right. So I can live in the shadow of a fucking loft right next to them. Right, right. You know, right. and I mean, yeah, that sounds dramatic. I get it. But like, it, it was uh, real, dude. And I mean, it was like. Oh, that's a real thing, though. Dude, the rent it's, hikes it's a, were it's insane. Real, yeah. It's a real thing. I've been, I mean, my I've, family got priced out of here, dude. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, ask anybody. Your family's from here. Right. And it's like, you know. Like, my little old mom is, like, you know, her landlord, because there's no law against it, will show up and be like, hey, your rent next month, it's triple what it was. Good luck on the street. You know what your, I mean? Your like, mom's landlord did that to her? No, not not triple, but, I mean, definitely, like, he she, bumped it up. she had lived there for, like, five years in Cheeseman Park, and they were just like, yeah, market value's up, you know, thousand bucks increase, you know, after the last apartment had done the same thing. Right. It was just like... I can feel myself getting nervous thinking about it because I'm so wound up. It's just like... No, dude, talk about it, I mean, it's like you do that to any man's family and they're going to be pissed and want to blame something. Right. And like, I mean, politics aside, I'm on the side of fucking poor people, blue collar people. And that's what this town was founded on, in my opinion. Right. And it's been squashed by all these yuppies who are like, we're on your side. We're like liberal. (laughs) Like, like, dude, you're the fucking like hammer that squashed it. Right, right, right. I mean, instead of talking like this every day, I was like, I'm going to split. That was it. I you know. know I, mean? I get that, dude. So I get that. Yeah, because I, I talk mean, like this a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you seem you seem like you're at peace, like uh, being out in New York. Oh, I appreciate it. Isn't I, that going on in New York though, too? Like, or have they already gotten to the later stages of gentrification where it's like yeah. st- begun to stabilize? Yeah. Like, I mean, what, what does it look like out it, there where you're at? Post to gentrification. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, they're they're like in the. Like, there's the initial flare-up and then the plateau, you yeah. know what I mean? And then the ongoing plateau of gentrification. Like, well, I mean, are they there, there yet? New York has, like, always been the gateway to America. It's, like, almost where every immigrant group, you know, our ancestors and other ones, you know, they're existing now. Like, they all pass through that eye of the needle, you know what I mean? And like, Right. Um, so it's this big moving turnstile of, like, this neighborhood is rich, this neighborhood is poor, this one's cool, this one's, you know, and it's an, a big mix and it just changes con- constantly? Constantly. It's so funny because I moved from Denver to New York, and my friends are like, how's Brooklyn, you fucking hipster? And I'm like, It's like, dude, I'm you like, live in Denver. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, I actually live near the Bronx. I live near Yankee Stadium. You know what I mean? In a place that, you know, five years ago, I couldn't have shown you on a map. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And I live in a Dominican neighborhood where I'm like one of the only white dudes. But I live with a bunch of people that work the kind of jobs I do that are at the same income that I'm at. Right, right. Meanwhile, because I got tattoos and I play rock music, they're like, fucking Alice Brooklyn, you fucking gentrifying piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know what laughs> right, like, right, right, right. You know, so like, it's kind of funny, like, you know, being like a, a it, for lack of a better term, like a middle America, like average poor white guy. Right. You're out of place no matter where you go nowadays, you know? 
And like that's not that's not a political statement. No, that's man, just like, you, you know, you like, know what? You know what, dude? If you get cut off in traffic, you're mm-hmm. gonna get mad at the guy that cut you off. You're not gonna get mad at the highway system that facilitates poor merging lanes or something like <laughs> yeah, that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You're gonna get mad at the motherfucker that's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, I got I got in a car accident the other day. You know, nothing big. Chick pulled out in front of me. I slammed into the back of her, jacked my car up. Baby in the car? No, baby was not in the car. I was on my way into work. Yeah. And, of course, my immediate response is, motherfucker! You know? I'm just, like, mad at the person. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm not mad about the the cheap way the fucking car buckled when it got hit because it's a Hyundai accent and they yeah. don't build cars like they used to and I'm not mad about the way the city puts in a gigantic fucking centered turn lane that people can just whip in and out of all the time like I'm not thinking about those things I'm thinking about the person who's right in front of me that is directly in that moment resp- like in my mind responsible for my anger yeah. right I think the same thing applies for people who are like we're just walking around living our lives and you can take the the grand perspective and be like, well, in like 500 years, we're all going to be just like one race of people anyway. Or in like a thousand years, it'll be a totally new civilization. Or you just like, need to be patient, You just need bro. to be patient. Uh, just wait a thousand it's just, years. <laughs> it's just the way things go, man. Yeah. It's just like we're at like you can go into all that stuff, but it doesn't matter for your immediate the, the immediate implications of your short ass life, yeah. you know, while it's going on, and so I like, dude, I, I feel for people who are who are angry because of things that are going on in front of them that are out in their control and taking them out on the people that are coming in, you know. Yeah, it's like like some. Sorry to cut you off. No, 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 no. I you know I'm I, meandering. I thought about this. Before I left, and I was like, some kid who grew up in, you know, a small town in Nebraska wants to go to the big city. So he comes to Denver, you know, at the time of legal weed, and there's a bunch of jobs and shit like that and opportunity here for him while farms around him are struggling, like, more than ever. Like, I can't hate that kid for, like, jacking up my rent price. Wanting to go check something out, you know. Or, like, I've had a real transition with regard to... Hating music after going to work in the Highlands where a lot of these people, dude. The North Side, bro. Dude. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's talk words. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> Let's talk words. That com- I realize how stupid that is. That comes up every once in a while. That comes up every once in a while. Yeah, I but, answer but the Yelp reviews. Whereabouts up there? Are you talking about Slow High? Slow High? Slow High. I like that. I'm, uh, I just, I just, uh, uh, there's I, a new I love one. and I hate these things so much. There's a oh, new so thing, ridiculous, isn't there? It's ridiculous, right? dude. It's there's so a new funny. part of Rhino, isn't there? Isn't it like. Oh, yeah, right, like, yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Rye unknown. Um, <laughs> Rye, yes. No, um, I've been working, you know, I've been working up in the Highlands, the north side on 32nd and Newton. At, yeah. <laughs> it ain't like that anymore, boy. It's, it's, <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, no, no, it's like, it's like, oh, right on. So, like, it's a bunch of guys who look like me, bearded dudes with hats, but they're all like, we are some people's first stop from the airport. Like anytime Dead & Co. is doing a show or or Fish or 
any of those fucking bands. String Cheese, uh, Green Sky Bluegrass, any of that. Dude, I can actually name probably a dozen jam bands now that I couldn't name before. Oh, but like, God. they get off their plane and they come, they come to us for wings and they hang out. And yeah. those are the type of people that live in the neighborhood or like walking, talking Colorado stereotypes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Beards, Subarus, fucking fleece vests, and microbrews, yeah. man. Right. And just like eighty thousand dollar a year jobs, but didn't know where those were before. The nicest people. Yeah. Most of the people I deal with at that place are the nicest people, and they've got a stereotype in their head about me. You know, they put on bluegrass music. One of the guys I work with like puts on like Billy Strings or something like that, some bluegrass music, and goes, "So it's like a metal guy. Does this like do nothing for you?" And I'm like, "Who says I'm a metal guy?" Yeah, you know, I'm, I I like all kinds of music. Right, we're all afraid of each other. Just like yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I've like I've stopped. You know, I've kind of taken music on more of a case by case basis as far as my my enjoyment of it and have stopped like being like oh i just couldn't get into that fucking hippie shit yeah. you know what i mean it's like i like this i don't like that you sure. know no and i think that's healthy and that's a part of you know getting older it's funny how much like cuz we grew up around the same assholes that right. fed us music to listen to right like we were seriously like <laughs> just like scolded from day one you're like oh, hey guys i like punk you're like well you don't like it the right way yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like yeah. And you don't like it unless you like 1982 to 1986 punk you fucking idiot you'll never know right there's so, there's a lot of parameters yeah it's like we grew up with like music ptsd where like <laughs> like where so now at your, our, our age, right? You're learning how to be like, well, maybe I could give bluegrass a shot. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? yeah, like yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's kind of funny. Like I just you know, but that like you don't really hear people talking about like the term guilty pleasure is like fading into obscurity because people don't feel so guilty about what they like anymore. That's because the internet. There's like a scene for everything. There's a fucking right. community around everything, even if it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, but like genres like metal and punk rock and extreme music for genres that were started like as an act of rebellion and about freedom and expression and like showing the world, you know, wanting to show the world who you think you are, you know, and like it can be very rigid and evangelical and stringent and stifling. And you don't rebel, right? Unless you rebel like I do. Have you seen the meme where it's like it's like a guy in a business suit and some punk rocker guy is like making fun of him and he's in a giant crowd of dudes with mohawks and like safety pins through the ears and stuff. And he's like, he's like, hey, check out the conformist. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. It's like, I, it's a good point. Yeah, man. It's like, I don't know. I, I've been really starting to think lately that I'm not punk and I never was. You know, like all the people who were trying to out me as a poser back then, they were right. What what is punk, though? Because honestly, you know, me getting into punk rock, I I didn't really have anybody guiding me into it. It was, I kind of just found it. And I, and it was like Minutemen, Misfits. Like It had such different sounding elements going on that i didn't know i didn't i really didn't know what i was hearing right you know what i mean it was like some of this is catchy like pop music 
Some of it's like something I've never heard. Some of it's like James Brown played at fucking seventy eight speed yeah, or what? Totally. Like I don't know. Especially bands you know? like Minutemen, where it was just it, it was nothing punk about it. You know exactly. Like it, it didn't sound anything like Black Flag or the no, Circle no, Jerks, no, no. but it was. I mean, I get what you're saying. I think that you were, and I think that punk it 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 works in like a spirit. You know what I mean? Like your attitude. Like you, when you were right. younger, you were probably like, I don't fit in with most of what people do or the popular crowd does. But these freaks seem all right, and that's where you kind of land. And yeah. that to me is like the punk spirit, like the attitude. Yeah, yeah and, absolutely. And, right. and and I mean, I I would I would agree with that, but at the same time. So much of the attitude that I was uh, portraying to people was knowing myself now and knowing who I was during that time. Yeah, I knew you then. <laughs> yeah, you you knew me then, and I. We should definitely talk about how how we came to know each other. Is sure. during that time I was trying to be a part of something because I wanted to connect with people. Oh, dude! Like I did a lot of things just because I wanted to connect with people and I wanted to have friends and I wanted to have unique experiences. So I adopted an identity that. Same here. You know what I mean? Yeah, I did everyone in the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah, like, yeah. It's it's and that's part of growing up. And I'm thankful that I tried on all those different hats to figure out who I am now. Yeah, yeah. And you should be too. I do like playing dress up. That is, I mean, for sure. I feel like with the internet nowadays, every day is Halloween. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about uh, how we know each other. Okay. Which is, you were in a band called DDC. Um, <laughs> Correct. Originally, which st- which originally stood for Dick Stipped and Chocolate, and then later became Death, Destruction, Chaos. Right, yeah, we matured pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> But I think I want to say that we first started getting to know each other at Cafe Euphrates. Oh, my God. Yes. I'm so glad you brought this place up because I was about to forget it. And I, it was so important back then. Yeah. Dude. It was so important. It was the most important. 17th and Franklin. Yeah. I don't know that because I drew it on flyers with Sharpie like a million times uh-huh. and handed it to all my idiot friends. First po- first flyer I ever made at home with a glue stick and, yeah. and clip outs and all that shit and a Sharpie yeah. was for a show at Euphrates. Man. Dude, we were, I mean, just to plug you a little bit, like when we were younger, we were like, dude, if we play Cafe Euphrates, like we might get the chance to open for fourth year freshman. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, it was uh, funny because, I mean, we just, and that's that's how cool and, like, innocent, like, and, and, and uh, tight, like, that Denver, like, community was, you know what I mean? Like It was really cool, like, man. Like, all our bands were a little bit different, but we were all, like, every show we got to play together every, you know what I mean? And, like, and, and those kind of places were, like, fucking lawless, you know? So, like, we could go in there and do whatever the fuck we wanted, break windows, chug beers, fight the owner, whatever. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I've mentioned on the show before, I think the last show that happened there was the one... Where biscuit threw? Did he throw Hamim through a window, or did he just put him up against the door and crack the glass? Okay, I remember. I think is his, was his name Habib. No, it was Hamim. Hamim. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I think, like, like a meme. I think it was H A M I M, if I remember okay. correctly. Okay, Hamim. I remember the story of him getting tossed through the front window. I remember a story of him getting hit over the face with a pool cue, and then. I remember that being like, oh, it was a bunch of skinheads. Oh, it was this guy. <laughs> Kids and, and are you're some like, lying motherfuckers, dude. <laughs> and you're like, hey, did Biscuit straight up kill this dude? You know, it's funny how like the stories. Like, I, I seem to remember, and it, you can't really trust memory, 
But I have this image in my head of Biscuit slamming him up against the door, and the door was a glass, had a glass pane in it, but it was shatterproof glass. So I was there. I was there for that. Yeah, I remember that, and because I was like sixteen, and I was like, "Holy shit!" You know, like terrified. Dude. But there was another show where like the full front window got broken out. You know what we should do <laughs> is look. Call up, the guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's hey. go and call her one. Hamim, hello. How are you, <laughs> dude? Let's have him on yeah. the podcast. Yeah, right, right. You know what's funny is I remember, like years later in life. I was walking down. I used to go to Lifetime Tattoo and get all my tattoos mm-hmm. when I was a kid. And um, I next to there was uh, what was that pizza place there? It's it might be gone. famous pizza. Is it still there? Yeah. Okay. It, okay. it was the same family that ran it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Hamim worked there. Probably some Greeks or something. Yeah, he yeah. fucking he went and worked there and like. It was like, dude, it was probably like five years after the last show I ever played there. I was probably like 20 or something. Yeah. And I walked past that place and he was like tossing a fucking pizza and he was looking out the window and he did like the, <laughs> like, like just deadlocked on, you know, like. Really? I know this is a podcast. So you can't see my facial expression right now. But, but he like, stopped in his tracks? Yeah, he stopped right in his tracks and he stared at me and, and I didn't know what to do. So I just like waved and he was just like snarled and I was like. <laughs> I was like thinking of the dude through the window story, and I was like, man, I hope he doesn't think that was me. And then I got all like nervous and weird about it. And just he ran probably off. just thought you were part of the the the, the group. Yeah, I, I he and I always got along. Yeah, I mean, same yeah, I mean, here. He, we I mean, he was a super. He was a super nice dude, but we were goddamn monsters, man. Yeah, we're like drinking two liters full of whiskey and Coke magic. We're yeah. drinking that yeah. in the quote unquote green room and like never buying anything and just like, like if you and I were business owners today, <sighs> I would never do that, dude. If I went into that place, yeah. I would be like, shame on you, sir. Right. This is a terrible place for children to be hanging out. <laughs> Imagine if you were just like, hey, this place is cool. Let's go grab a beer. There's punk bands playing. And you walk in and you're like. <laughs> Fuck this, dude. It's a bunch of drunk kids. <laughs> dude, all these bands are terrible. Bunch of drunk children. They're like, just running around, breaking tables, <laughs> trying to finger bang each other. It's fucking awful. Dude, I mean, I just... I remember... Yeah, I remember... I don't remember when I first, first met you, but I remember you on stage at Cafe... On stage. I remembered you at Cafe Euphrates singing Mike Nelson is a Bitch by DDC. That's a good memory. Yeah. I remember, I remember that, that song. And and I remember like I was about a local weatherman listener. Because <laughs> you didn't know. I just Nine News. What I rem- what it, what's occurring to me is it's like, look, I'm glad that technology has evolved the way that it is, and I hope that we get a better mastery of all these formats and platforms and whatnot. Although I think I'm done learning platforms. I think I'm just like, if they come up with anything else, they can have it. Uh, these kids with the TikTok and the Snapchat, they can have it. Like, yep. I, I don't want to learn another one. But there's something about, like, it felt more fulfilling. Now, maybe that's just because we were children and it was all brand new. But it felt more fulfilling because it was like you felt like your network, your group of friends was way bigger. It felt more significant. You weren't tapped into this greater 
scene. You know what I mean? Like it was our thing. Like we were part of our thing. Like we were we were major players in our thing. Yes, dude. You absolutely. know what I mean? Absolutely. I I think deep, and I talk about all this stuff at length with people who don't want to listen to me all the time. So I'm so glad you brought it. Oh, up. dude, you no. can come hang out anytime. <laughs> no, no. So yeah, like you're absolutely right. I mean. I think the advent of technology is great and, and, and terrible for the exact same reason, and it's that it's all too easy. And when it's easy, it takes away a lot of the hardships, and with the hardships can be a lot of, like, acquired taste and a lot right. of fun. I mean, when we were younger, dude, like, you used to be able to go to shows, and it was a complete mystery as to what would happen. Right. You know, nobody in there had a camera, so it wasn't like you could fucking videotape Thank it and then show. God. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, like... <laughs> It was exciting to be like given a flyer and I would see your band on it or, right. or like, you know, one of Joey Chase's old bands or something. Yeah, and we yeah. would like go to a basement somewhere, hopefully get some beers and hang out and be like, what the fuck's going to happen? We're going to go there and get rowdy. We may get in a fight, whatever. Like, I mean, that all still exists. But nowadays it's like before a band comes to your town, you can watch the whole fucking tour on YouTube. Before right. They, you know what I mean? You can see the whole set. Well, you know? and you and know like, about every show going on everywhere, and right. there are too many for you to possibly attend. Yeah. And there's way too much righteous entertainment going on at home. <laughs> you can look at the event page, and you already know who's going to be there. Yeah. You know? it, it's like, <laughs> it's oh, like, I hate that guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I broke up with four of them. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I mean, like, it's, it's like, and it, I mean. Back, it, back then? You made maybe twenty flyers. Yeah, and the play and and the truth is, is that we we definitely have a bigger reach now than we did then. Mm. There were probably fifty people there. Yeah, but I felt like a fucking rock star. Absolutely man. right. You know, I mean, like. Rockstar isn't even the right thing because I didn't feel like I was playing on stage in some fucking stadium with a bunch of lights going on. I felt like a like I felt like a tribal elder, you know yeah. what I mean? Or or like a, a chieftain, yeah. you know? You know, it's to tie this back into how we were talking about the Denver kind of community we grew up in is like I mean, back then it didn't really matter what was going on on TV or in, it, it, what some bands seen from like other bigger cities was doing. I mean, downtown was half vacant, you know, mm -hmm. and those neighborhoods were cheap. We could go in, we could live there, and we could kind of create our own scene. We could throw a show where 50 of our friends, you know, show up. And that's everybody we know, and if we impress right. them, that's the world to us. Right. You know what I mean? And it was like we were this kind of island in middle America that, like, had our own thing brewing. And, and yes, plenty of people have that in all sorts of towns across the country. Right. But, like, for us, it was really special, and to have it and kind of feel like the town was yours, you know, and right. then like I don't know, it was it was it was awesome, and that's that's that was how we networked before it was you know it all kind of went online, right, right, and it and it just I don't know, man, it seemed so, it just seemed so significant, and it seemed like like you had you had this gravitas around you, you know, you had like. We could go do a show. Like, the better we've gotten, mm. the smaller our following has gotten, it seems like. <laughs> like, back then, mm -hmm. we could have done a show. Like, in fact, I know DDC and Fourth Year Freshmen did shows, matinee shows over at the Bluebird. Yeah. And we packed those. Right, yeah. Those, it, we used to pack them out. And now it's like, you know, trying to get people out to do anything. Yeah. You know, and I've... 
I've taken it personally a lot. Actually, I want I want to know um, how the Hank tour was for you guys. How was how was the draw on that tour? Uh, to be totally honest, it was tough, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's tough to get people out to shows, man. It, it didn't really. It was a lot of a lot of factor. It's kind of a long answer, but it, um, you know, basically a lot of the the booking and the money that was involved in all the shows really affected the turnout. Right. This booking agent was trying to get Hank a ton of money, and so therefore they were charging like venues had to charge like thirty five dollars, and no one wanted to pay that. Yeah, in Milwaukee on a Tuesday night, and then we'd right. look out in the crowd, and there'd be like fifteen people there, and we'd be like, "Well, I get it, you know." Yeah, like, yeah. But then like you know we had a day off, and Hank was like, "Can you help me get a show on the day off?" And I was like, "We're playing a bar in Chicago. Let's go." And I called my buddy. We played his bar, and there were like two hundred people in there, and he played all these Turbo Negro songs. You that's know what I mean? like, fucking cool. And to me, that you know. Those are like memories I'll have forever, you know. So right, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like very lucrative thing, but you know, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I. Oh, that's the thing. It is so amazing. You know, it's funny. It's so amazing. Oh, it is so amazing, and it sucks so much for so much of the time. And then you get that little like, yeah. pow, that little, yeah. that tasty morsel, man. Oh, mm. the uh, I can tell you've been doing vo- voiceovers because that description, like just closing my eyes and listening to you do it, I was like, oh wow, I'm hungry now. I'm hungry for Turbo Negro. No, like, I'm hungry for a rock show. No, dude, but I'll tell you what, because I know you're a big Turbo and Hank fan. Um, for me, sit like it was the first tour I'd ever done on a nightliner bus where we slept on the bus. And, That's like, so fun. It was a it was it was funny and weird, and we were with all these hired gun musicians that like didn't really know Turbo Negro. They were just like kind of hired to play with Hank. And right? They were, you know, oh, really? Yeah, and they were all sweethearts, but it was like. You know, they were like, you guys ever been on tour before? And we were like, have you? You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, really? Yeah. But, um, you ever been on real tour? Yeah. Well, like, I, you Europeans are adorable, man. They were, they were Americans. They were like LA oh, like, were? studio people. Oh. And they were, uh, but anyways, you know, because of that, like, they kind of played the show and then they just like hit the showers and go to bed. And like, right. I just stayed up every night talking to Hank about Terminator. I was like, okay, tell me about this. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And he loved it. He was just You've always like, been a fan. Yeah. I mean, you've always been, and I don't mean a fan of him. I mean, you've always been a fan. That's like, this is something that I've observed that, first of all, do you did you get a direct, and I'm kind of making a, a, a quick jump here. Did you get a formal education in marketing at all? Never. Never. No. So much, and I've, and I've figured this out over the years, so much what has made your stuff successful is you've always been a fan. Like you're a fan's fan. I appreciate and it, you man. follow you follow a lot of bands and you have their imagery burned into your mind. You know, you have the different aesthetics that and and like the different just the different vibes that the different bands put out in like different eras and style of music. Like you have that burned into your brain and then you incorporated into album covers and posters and uh, all the marketing that you do and it's it like it's pretty brilliant man oh thanks like it, it and it's really effective and it gets i've actually i think i remember i like even wanted to hire you to do some stuff for us at one point like i was like man will you just do some <laughs> posters for us yeah just because i liked i liked the aesthetic that you put out it was cool oh thanks man. yeah and oh. you've you've got an eye for that, and I think that it comes from being such a fan. 
I mean, I'm sure there's a part of staying up talking to Hank that is about it being cool and talking to Hank, but there's it's also because you are like genuinely a fan of his music and you're genuinely a fan of what he does and his contribution and you genuinely want to hear those stories. Oh yeah. And I mean, that's that's just a very cool thing, man. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. All that stuff uh people would ask me when, when I was doing my label or doing a website or promoting like Speedwolf for example, people would be like Oh, you're so good at branding. I'd be like, what is branding? You right. know, like, and, and, and not trying to be like cute and naive, but like, I, you know, I did what all that stuff because it came naturally because I seriously love and worship music. You know what I mean? Right. And like, and the culture behind it, the spirit behind it, the everything about it, you know? And like, and to me, I feel like if you really want to make it your life, that's a huge part of it. And I, and I do think that a lot of people are kind of missing that step. You know, mm -hmm. when they're like, well, why aren't I like this successful or how come my band's not doing this? I'm like, well, just pay attention and, you know, be loyal to it because if you really love it, it'll just come naturally and it won't feel like a chore. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, you'll persevere, you know. We like to think that we popularized the term Alaska thoughts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me out. The thoughts, do you get those thoughts where you get so frustrated and overwhelmed by it all that you just want to like quit and run away to Alaska or are you pretty much just still as excited about it as you were like whether it's doing a label or it's or it's uh, uh, you know writing articles and uh, for Kerrang like is it still just exciting and fun for you to do or do you get those days where you're just like fuck it I'm done I I don't want to do this anymore No I absolutely get those days and I feel like it's totally healthy and natural to get yeah, days yeah, like yeah. that I mean I I have friends that are like diehard like metalheads and then they go through like two years where they're like dude I just can't listen to it anymore and then you know and then it comes back around right you know right, what I mean? right and I I think that's yeah, that's uh, the one thing I that I that never goes away. Like I thought about this the other day. I, like I've worked in bars and music venues a lot of my life. Right. And like I was working with uh, somebody the other day, and they were like, we were at I work at Webster Hall in New York. It's big. It's like gothic mm -hmm. size club. Oh yeah. And someone was like, oh, I worked the last seven days in a row here. I just never want to hear live music again. And I like kind of chuckled, like typical shit talking work talk. But then I was like, man, I've never had that feeling ever. Yeah. I don't think I've ever gotten sick of bands. Even when I was at Three Kings, like, I mean, it wasn't like blasting. It, it might have been different if it was like something like at Bar Bar where you've got like the speaker like right in your ear and right. it's blasting in your head. And a homeless person peeing on yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> ah, <laughs> okay, you know what? I can stay home. It's a bubble. The authentic experience. Yeah. Right <laughs> now. Just, your Alaska it. thought is like, maybe I should have gone to college or something like this. <laughs> 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 maybe I should have gone to college. Yeah. I I used to get that one a lot. I'm like, oh, I should go back to school. I should just I should just quit. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut off your thing. Your point no, 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 no. You fall for it. You didn't. But but you're absolutely right about the the being loyal to it part. I am always sustained by. And I was telling this. Um, I was talking to. Vinny and Charlie Fasano, because I've got them scheduled for an episode coming up. Oh, I love those guys. Yeah, I love them too. Man. I worked with Charles yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got, uh, I've got them scheduled. I'm trying to do twin twin episodes. Yeah, I'm trying to do Vinny and Charlie, and then Seth and Spencer. 
<laughs> like I, if I could do them same day, that would be dope. But <laughs> the yeah. only two like like twins in town, you know, that you'll really well I, rock I, twins. Th- I should th- say th- there there are a few more that I could think of to get in here, but I don't know if they're mentally stable enough for it. So fair enough. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, I was talking about. He was like, he was like, man, I'm glad to see you're still at it, you know. Because here's another thing, is I realized recently that when our label promotes stuff, they're not promoting to our network; they're promoting to the broader network. And when we promote stuff because of Facebook algorithms and Instagram algorithms, we're really only reaching 5% of our people. So by and large, it is totally reasonable that most people don't know what you're up to. Yeah. You know, if they're not actively keeping touch with you, they don't know what you're up to, which is incredibly frustrating. Yeah. You know, and I'm Why sure... Why the fuck am I on this website? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you've gone through it too. It's fucking annoying as shit. But I was talking, uh, I was talking to Vinny about, you know, how I stay in it. And he was like, he was like, he was like, "Oh man, I'm I'm glad to see that you've been you've been working and you're and you're sticking with it." And I said, "I'm always about to quit, yeah. But I have just one more thing I got to do, and then when I finish doing that one more thing, that's like, oh, I got I got to wrap this up too, real quick. Okay, there's yeah, I there's gotta too many around. overlapping things. Yeah, to there's quit. too many overlapping things, <laughs> and it's like, well, a lot of people are depending on me, so I gotta finish this. Or well, I already started writing these songs, so I might as well record them. And if I'm gonna record them, I might as well put them out. Yeah. And then the label's gonna put them out, and I mean, we've got to go on a tour, and that'll be a lot of fun. And then you know, we're really gonna want to go again, or we got this thing, you know. I think, I mean, as long as I've known you. And known your band members and lived with them and partied with them. And I mean, like, we've all grew up with, together. And I, I think it's pretty amazing how much you have, like, reinvented, like, all the different ways to do what you love and, and, and take it to all these different avenues. Like, when I got here and you were showing me around the studio and, show, and telling me what you've been doing for work, and, you know, and now I know you got a family. And, like, and, and I think it's pretty amazing. And those things, you know, are what make you feel loyal in new ways the longer you do it. Right. No, so, absolutely. To, and thank you for that. I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say if I didn't mean it. And like, no, the, you're absolutely right. And I think it's amazing. And like, um, you know, I had a, I had an older uh, like artist friend tell me, he's like, dude, it's like a fucking disease. Like, he, he's like, you'll quit, but like, you know, seven years later, you'd be like, man, maybe I should play some shows or something. <laughs> you know, like, I know. It's right? like, and, and, and that can't stay away. It's funny because the grass is always greener. You're going to be like, man, I should just go get a degree in coding and put on a flannel and be on the other side of the bar at Fire on the Mountain. Or I'm just kidding. No, no but like, hey, and, uh, <laughs> I'm just talking it, it, you know, it, you know what? It, <sighs> but, but, I, yeah, no, keep going. It's like, I go, no, no, no. But I just, like, something popped into my head, but I'll come back to it. But the, uh, I mean, it, you know, that dude on the other side of the counter, like, wishes, you know, he was a rock star for at least 10% of his life and could live that, you know? Like, and, yeah, we're, we knew from a young age this wasn't going to be lucrative. No. And, like, we knew it wasn't going to be stable. I had to give my parents the talk. Like, when I was out of high school and I wasn't really doing anything, I was like, listen, I'm going to keep doing this. I've got to give it at least until I'm... You know, I've got to at least try until I'm like, I don't know, 40, (laughs) you know, I've got to at least try. And I remember them being like, okay, if that's what you want to do. Like they were very supportive of it, but they were disappointed that like I 
those were my only ambitions. Yeah. Were, you know, I mean, I'm sure they would have. And, and now they come to every show. Yeah. You know, so it ended up working out. But yeah. One of them works your merch table. I know. It's hilarious. I love it. Dude, that's what I was, you know, we always talk about the Alaska thoughts and that's that's the one thing that i always do is keep pushing back my in my mind i keep pushing back my own <laughs> oh, retirement time, from right? do, from doing this it's like Ugh. well you know I'll, I'll you know 25 is like i'll, I'll do this till I'm 30 you know and then then if nothing is you know if i can't get anything to happen then i'm, I'm just gonna quit and then 30 comes around right. then, well, i'll just do this till i'm 35 you know right, right. we'll see what happens you know in the next five years so and like you know like Okay, well, we'll just go to forty-five, you know, and the, yeah. and then just keeps getting. Yeah, I think keeps, I think but the, the thing the is, is I like it too much to stop right. doing it, no matter where I'm at. Right, so. and something something always comes along because if you do it long enough, and like when we had Brad on here, when we had Brad Smalling from Evergroove, shout out to Evergroove Studio, when we had him in here, and he was given that quote from the dude at Air Show. And he was like, he was like, the only thing he said all day was just like, just stay in the game. He was like, everybody gets one. You keep doing it. Like something is going to happen. That's just the way that it goes. And I feel like the business ruins the music business. Yeah, it does definitely. Dealing with the business as much as as you and I do, and it sounds like you do as well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it it can really suck, you know, to. To be working on that end of things, and you can't just show up with songs and play them. You know, it's like it's, like I don't want to be rich and famous. I mean, I would like to be prosperous, and I would like to have enough notoriety that I could sell tickets to shows and I'd merchandise. Like to pay a water bill. You know, that would be great. <laughs> but I mean, mostly, I just want to travel the world and play music with my friends. Yep. You know. You said I, that for a long time. For a long time. That's all like, I want to do. You were like my two top priorities. I remember you. Yeah. I remember you saying it to me in my living room and being like, oh, hell yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> I just want to play, travel the world and play music with my friends. That's it. But if you want to create opportunities, you have to play the game and do the business part of it. And you have to like market yourself and you have to book gigs and position yourself. And when resources dry up and it prevents you from being able to do that thing that you love, mm -hmm. like especially now when we're getting older and we have to find more creative ways to do the thing that we love. Yeah. You know, it's like Tony lives in another fucking state. Yeah. You know, I was talking to him on the phone and I am really pushing the baby thing. I'm like, like, well, we better get into the studio and get this these next 20 songs recorded because you and Laura are going to have a baby like really soon. Like, they're not even pregnant. Like, but I'm like, I'm glad he's not. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I like, I like <laughs> see it coming. And I'm like thinking of like, just imagining Tony Lee pregnant. <laughs> Dude, you got a fucking baby? Can you believe it? <laughs> I'm mumbling really and shit. I'm mumbling really and shit. Dude, you have a fucking baby? <laughs> He's gonna go to college. <laughs> college. <laughs> college. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like uh, it, it. It's I have to be like so much more deliberate about it now, and and with people. Like, did you hear uh, on the Lund episode? He was talking about Grimes. Was talking about how. Touring is is dying. Have you heard that that speculation? I don't. I don't believe it. I mean, I I work in live music venues and they're doing all right. Yeah. I mean, I I will say this. I think that 
nowadays more and more festivals are happening. Right. And bigger artists that collect the big bucks are just going and playing festivals and they're not connecting the dots like you or I used to. Right. And, well, and I think that, um, I don't know, it seems like people are playing smaller and smaller venues and cruise ships and things like that. You know, I mean, that it does seem to be an indicator of scaling down, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, I also think that young bands are starting with a different attitude because of because of the internet. Like I probably sound like I hate the internet or something. But like it's like It's it, okay to hate the internet. Uh, yeah. We talk about it all the time. No. You should read Reed's manifesto right. that he wrote in his shack. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my shack in New York. Um, yeah, my New York. Which is is not far off. But no like it's uh yeah, I mean I I remember all right, I worked at Larimer Lounge for almost ten years. Right. And towards the end of my tenure there, um, we had we would have like nightliner like tour buses show up in front of the club. Oh, with internet bands, yeah, yeah, and and you know where I'm going with this. And it would be, and like the kids would come in or whatever, and they would be cool and it'd be sold out, lined down the block. And I'd be bullshitting with the artists, like, hey man, you want a beer? Like I know you're doing sound trick, whatever. And he'd be like, yeah. He'd be like, man, this is a really cool bar. And I'd be like, oh, thanks. You know, he's like, yeah, man, I just I'm so excited to see places like this on my first tour. And I'd be like. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd be like, they'd be some kid that put out a SoundCloud thing or like, you know, a YouTube video and they oh, yeah. blew the fuck up and there was enough money to just throw them out into the fucking big dogs yeah. like right away. Yeah. And to me, that was like, that was really, I mean, I don't really get jealous of that. I just get like less sympathetic to like someone or I have less respect for someone because I'm like, you don't know things from the ground up. You don't even know your fans. You haven't slept on their floors of their houses. You miss the most fun part of touring. Right, yeah. I, although I've also done <laughs> the night. There's a lot of shit I'd like to skip. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, right. I have also done the Nightliner tour bus, yeah. and it is pretty fucking great. Oh my god! And hotels and catering and like every once in a while, it's like <laughs> Gordo and I have talked about this, where it's like you feel like you snuck into the movies and no one's caught you yet. You know yeah. what I mean? You're like, ah, oh man. Those really yeah. nice opportunities. You're just like. <laughs> Who's going to catch me? Yeah, yeah, gonna, yeah. Somebody's oh. going gonna to come in here with the fucking big cane and just rip me the fuck off this right. thing. They're going to ask me for my ticket any minute. Right. <laughs> you know, like... It's I, funny. I was still on the Nightliner bus, like, tour mode, like, sleeping with, like, a, a open blade and, like, you know what I mean? Had all my shit packed. Like, right, right. You know, like, it's something terrible. Like, nobody's going to break in, dude. You're in a fucking, like, fortress on the road. Dude, like, tour buses are so great. Yeah. It's so great. But it you also... You miss out on some shit. Yeah. The first tour we did a Europe, we did in a you know in a Sprinter with with rented gear mm-hmm. and with gigs that we booked ourselves and with the help of friends. I mean, we've done two tours since then with the help of a label and some bigger bands and played some bigger clubs and done some really cool shit. But I gotta say, that very first one has never been topped to me. Right. You know, the the guys might disagree with that because they, they do really like the amenities. And I like the amenities, too. But there was something about, like, 
be like, all right, this little chunk of shows were ones that we booked with Yugen Contacts. This is our only anchor date, and it's the festival we are invited to play. These are ones that I booked through a guy from the Ukraine that I met on the internet <laughs> and sent him a check via Western Union. So he wants we me to might marry just, his cousin. Yeah, marry. we might just show up and get robbed. I don't know. Yeah, it, totally. Like, you know, or just like, this is someone that we met through so-and-so hooked us up with this. And like, Steve Goldberg came with us oh, cool. and played guitar because Parker couldn't do the tour. Oh, it's, I remember that, yeah. And um, because he's Steve and he's been cephalic forever and, and has been doing front of house forever and knows everybody and is a super social party animal, he, every almost every place we went, there was a show going on where he knew the band playing. And like, like we're in Hamburg, we get done playing our show and we go watch Crowbar play. Oh, that's cool. We're in Berlin. We get done with this like daytime video, uh, like live performance internet thing. And the venue right across the parking lot, fucking Cannibal Corpse is playing. And Steve knows the tour manager. You know what I mean? So we go watch Cannibal Corpse in Berlin. And then we, uh, we go into Leipzig and we, you know, don't have anything to do. So we find out that. Biohazard, Nuclear Assault, and uh, Sepultura are all playing in Leipzig, and Steve knows their fucking people. So we're just like going to all these shows, and it's like, like the experience of the like, what's gonna happen next? Like, ooh, that was in a way. Even when it wasn't awesome, it was more fun. I mean, it was mo- it was more exciting than. You know, go to sleep, wake up in another town, go to dinner, play the show. I mean, that was fucking awesome. Don't get me wrong. And I would love to do it again if you're listening, Thorsten. Hint, hint. Let's do a tour. God damn it. (laughs) When you are one of those internet bands that just like blows up and you're immediately going on a tour and you immediately having the shows, it's like, yeah, that seems pretty fucking kick ass. But I have seen some shit, man. Mm -hmm. I have slept some places. I have... I have met interesting characters that if they came into my life here in my home life in Denver, I wouldn't want to be around them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's there's so much stuff that you would never do in at home <laughs> with your comfort and your television and your girlfriend, you know, like yeah. oh no, we're road buddies, but I'm not going to give you my home address <laughs> and you're not going to come stay with me when I'm here in Denver. I don't take ass and go to the graveyard every night. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, totally. I mean, you said you wanted to find a skull and I knew the spot. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I said I knew where the skull was. Uh, what, what are we at time-wise, Gordo? Oh, we're, gonna, we're at a good spot. I yeah, think. Let's, yeah, let's take a quick break. And, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought, but there was something that I wanted to ask you about. When we come back, we'll be back. Yeah, when we come back, I'll know what we're going to talk about. And after that, we'll be right with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's give a quick shout out to our sponsors. First and foremost, weed. <laughs> weed. <laughs> I love weed. Mary Jane. Thanks, weed. Thanks, weed. Thanks, weed. Four twenty. Man, that was one chill shout out. Shit is 
fired up. Uh, no, our most venerable nave and aerial sponsor, Matula Plumbing. Matula! Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. The master of poopers himself, Jerry Matula. Angie's List Super Service Award winner back in 2011. The only year that mattered. And after that, it all went downhill, man. He'll for wear Angie's the, List, not for Matula. From Angie's List? Oh, no, yeah. not from Matula. You, you, we just need to Angie's very, List very clear went downhill. About that. Yeah, Angie's Matula, List went downhill after Yeah, Matula has maintained his standards of excellence and his Metallica ripoff logo for the entire time that he's been in business, mostly because he'll wear the booties for you. I got to figure out what else Laura called him. Like there's master of poopers. And then there's like another Metallica joke about his, his plumbing company, dude. He was actually featured recently in like a, uh, like some real estate company was trying to get testimonials about the neighborhood and they interviewed Jerry and he's standing in front of his Matula plumbing, you know, van wearing his shirt. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's a good neighborhood. You know, a lot of people here, we get along. We have parties for the Super Bowl and whatnot, you know, go get together, watch the Bears play. That's not how Jerry talks. <laughs> That's a good Chicago accent, though. Uh, it's pretty. <laughs> I'm oh, no, that was. Nah, Jerry's a Jerry's a little more uh he's he's a little more guttural, but no, that's too that's too New York. It was a better Chicago before. Anyway, Matula Plumbing. Um if you need uh plumbing, call him up. This Plains, Illinois. <laughs> uh Evergroove Studio in Evergreen, Colorado. The only studio atop Black Mountain. Uh 70% solar-powered. Don't ask where the other 30% comes from. Yeah, it comes from um, ground-up baby fuel cells. They take uh, the... Okay, if you ever wonder what happens to the kids that don't get adopted in orphanages, they power the other 30% of um, Evergroove Studio, either by being repurposed as like like little Duraflame logs... You know what I'm talking about? Like a little starter log? I think I know what you're talking about. But imagine it a person, you light the diaper on fire, and then that ignites the person. Oh. Yeah. Methane. Yeah. Uh, Evergroove Studio uh, has state-of-the-art equipment, knowledgeable staff, and just the most beautiful views of any studio that you'll go to. Um, they're making a lot of cool stuff right now. I saw them advertising a, uh, a chill party. Yeah, I like the idea of the chill party. Yeah. That's a long drive up to Evergreen to go to a chill party, well, but if you, you know, were going to go chill anywhere... I'll take my I'll take my records up there. That would be fun. Spin them on their, on their fantastic system. Why oh, not? yeah. Why not? Yo, who the fuck goes to a chill party? You just got to stay at home to chill. <laughs> but it's like... It's the destination chill party, man. It's like you like go somewhere and you listen to records and you all act real, real cool and jazzy. You should do an episode that's at the chill party. Do a remote. I think we'll have to add in like clinking glass and jazz music um, in post. Well, BBC just released their uh, sound effects library. <laughs> Did they really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Dude, you should look it up. It's like it's like sixty thousand different samples. I've I've sat on there for like oh. an hour the other day. I was like, oh my god! And they do have. It's really funny. It's a simulated party. It's a simulated party recorded in nineteen seventy two. 
It's hilarious. And then cocktail party. There's like three different cocktail party. Oh, that's awesome. Samples in there. Who is it? CBS. It's BBC. Uh, BBC. Oh, BBC. Did so, so it's little. Yeah, it's 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 funny. Did <laughs> did I talk to you about the idea of um, releasing, starting to do the motion comic before we release the motion comic thing, doing a live foley reading here in the studio. Oh, like, that's cool. And have you do extra voices and sound effects? That sounds great. I'm, yeah. I'm Are you totally, into that? I'm down. Awesome. All right. We'll Give me the cowbell. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that, dude. But we'll like set up like a little foley stage. Like, you know, if we need someone walking through gravel, we'll make a little box with gravel in it and we'll move shoes in them yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Be cool. Yeah. So go to Evergroove Studio if you need a record done. <laughs> uh, Rocket Space Rehearsal Studio. Hourly rental rehearsal rental spaces fully equipped clean efficient uh wi-fi clean bathrooms um and super friendly staff and and uh really nice shit is kate still running that oh yeah kate's i mean that's her baby i love it that's her thing yeah man uh, it's in the uh, Rye Yes neighborhood. Right, right, right in the Rye Yes, r- in the Rye Unknown neighborhood. It's right near Six Points. Yeah, right near the Sixth <laughs> Point. I know that. I'm a local. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. And it's the right next to the Larimer Lounge where, where Reed used to work. You can stop by and see Mikey Mulligan, have a drink. Have you seen Mikey <laughs> lately? I haven't, I haven't been in there lately. I haven't seen Mikey in a while. Last I saw Mikey was at Globe Hall. Did he not work there when you were there? I think is he a dude with long hair? Long hair and a beard, really like super sweet dude, like uh, okay. the sweetest dude. Somebody told me there was an, a, re- a replacement doppelganger of me, <laughs> so I guess that's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, cool. That's Mikey. I could, t- I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, go see him and then stop by Rocket Space and have a little jammy jam. Rocket Space, you ain't got to carry shit. Uh, Mutiny Information Cafe at 2 South Broadway in Denver, Colorado. This is a Mutiny Transmission. Uh, Mutiny Transmissions is a media service division of Mutiny Information Cafe. Uh, They are, as our Alan Brooks said, Mutiny is everything. Records, coffee, books, live events, uh, podcasts, videos, open mics. God, what else do they do? Activism, film critiques, serial, and no one. Video premieres. Video premieres. And no one has a larger selection of Torini syrups. Nobody. Nobody. Y'all have done this before. Oh, yeah, a couple of times. I like it. It's good. It's fun to watch. <laughs> this is my favorite part of the show. <laughs> the sponsors is like the best part. Yeah. Dude, Jay Party Lord, when he came on the show, he's like, I've been looking forward to helping on the Matula plumbing bit. Like, for a very long time. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I love that part. That's my favorite part of the show. That's cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool, man. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, Flipside Music. They're uh, located over at the Rock Block there on South Acoma Street, right next to Blackout Screen Printing and the Keep Recording Studios. Um, man, Ike is just a super nice, super cool guy. Make sure to check out his ultra-informative What the Fact series on um, on YouTube, on Flipside Music's YouTube channel, and they have the largest selection of of custom of pedals in of effects pedals 
They have the largest selection of effects pedals in the region, from what I understand. It's true. Yeah, that's a true story. They got lots of cool, weird shit over there, and guitars, and amps, and a whole lot of know-how. So stop on by Flipside Music and tell, like, that the boys sent you. Uh, oh, thenugnation.com. This podcast and a bunch of other amazing shit come out of the Nug Nation studios here in Denver, Colorado. Go to thenugnation.com to see all those nugs and their wacky adventures through the town of Nugville. Real characters made of real weed. Well, fictional characters made of real weed. It's like South Park was like made of weed. It's a pretty good show. You can see our video with Billy Ray Cyrus, the stuff we did with Red Man, Nappy Roots, uh, Scotty ATL, uh, Jaron Benton was my personal favorite. Uh, also, we're getting ready to do some new stuff with Red Man, so you're going to want to keep an eye out for that. we got a bunch of new shit rolling out in 2020. Go to thenugnation.com and check it out. Uh, we're down to the patrons, right? Yes. Cool. Yeah. I got them all. Yeah. Yeah, patting myself on the back for fucking doing my job right, sort of. Do it. Yeah. Hey, I want to give a shout out to all our patrons, all the beautiful, wonderful, generous, amazing souls who back us via a small recurrent contribution at patreon.com slash mfruckus. You guys are the shit. Seriously, we could not do what we do without what you do, and we hope that um, we take care of you guys because you take care of us and uh, keep us. Um, man, you keep the Alaska thoughts at bay. I'll say that. Yeah. I'll say that. You keep us in the game, man. So thank you for that. Uh, we love you guys lots, and we got a lot of cool shit to show you in 2020. Um, we're, in fact, in 2020... We're getting ready to go into the studio to record 20 new songs, and uh, we're demoing all of those now, and we are going to exclusively release those demos on our Patreon. So if you guys want to check that out and learn more about it, go to patreon.com slash mfruckus. I'm sitting here with my man, Reed Wolf, a.k.a. Reed Brummer. Do you go by something else now, now that you're not... <laughs> now that, like... The the insta it's now that it's Instagram official, yeah. like did do you feel like you're just gonna go buy something else now? People can just call me Reed, that's fine. Read dose. I never read dose. Yo, I hate it when have you ever met somebody that introduced themselves by their nickname? Oh, like you when you meet a rapper and and they're like they're like, My name is Enigma yeah. or like my name is the Cipher. Right, right. It's like I'm Aaron. Nice to meet you. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, like you know, I'll be like, oh, what's up, Aaron? You're like, yo, I want you to meet my friend Tyler. They're like, oh, what's up, Tyler? I'm like, yo, man, my name's Chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. man, just because you drink wine out of a space bag and ride trains for a living doesn't <laughs> mean you get to be called Chainsaw. Like, yeah. what does your mama call you? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, is that what your mom calls you at Thanksgiving? Did your mom call you thanks? I don't have a mom. I cut her up with a chainsaw. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna call you Chainsaw then. I lived. A- Hold on, my mom's calling. <laughs> I lived across the street from a guy named Trainwreck. Yeah? Yeah. For many years, yeah. yeah. We, we know a guy named Dump Truck. Oh, uh, dude, speaking of voiceover shit. Yeah. Man. Oh, yeah, dude, I would love to get Dump Truck in here. <laughs> I got to hit him up. He's, yeah, sounds like a robot. That's yeah, great. I know. Oh, yeah, man, what's up? That's, that, that's like, that's his brand. <laughs> that's his personal brand. Uh, dude, I want to know. I want to know about overdose. I want to know about, and I want to know about splattered records. Okay. So wherever you want to dive in and, and tell me about what you've been working on, tell me about it. All right. 
yeah, Overdose is a new band I started in New York since I moved there. Um, I loosely had some friends that I had met throughout the years of touring in New York um, that had already played music. And when I moved to town, I just kind of put the feelers out and was like, hey, I'm here. want to start a band. Got a couple ideas of what I want to do. Uh, I got a hold of some guys from this band called Mutilation Rights. And cool. They were like a like extreme black metal band, right? And I always had you know. I don't say. Yeah, <laughs> I had seen them play in Denver and um and been friends with them like loosely, and they knew other bands. We'd seen each other on the road, that kind of thing. And anyways, I got to know one of the guitar players really well. And he's like, "Hey, man, I'm I'm jamming with the other guitar player, Mutilation Rights, but he's learning how to play drums. He's like, we want to start a kind of new band. And I was just like, you don't want to play rock and roll." And they were like, you know, because it was, I was assuming they just wanted to do like extreme right, right. stuff. And, and they were like, yeah, cool. And so I had all these riffs and like we got together, put our heads together and kind of came up with our sound. And, you know, they know me and my bands and like I'd always kind of done like a rock and roll motorhead style. And I was are like, you just, are you just singing or are you playing too? Playing guitar and singing. That's fucking cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. yeah right so, on. Yeah. I mean, I write a lot of the riffs and I'm, I'm not the best guitar player in the world. So I just kind of come up with like song ideas and riffs and like, and then this other guy, Mike uh, from Mutilation Rights plays guitar and he's like a shredder lead guy. But right. um, yeah. That all you kinda, need is enough to communicate the idea. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I that's mean, all you need. It's cool. Cause I mean, we're all older. We've all been in a lot of different bands. We've been all over the world with bands. So like, it's it's cool being at my age and like jamming with a bunch of like mature like guys like that are just kind of all like laid back and you know what I mean like it's it's Dude. like there's not one person that's just like oh man I, we better get famous you know what I mean like it's you know yeah yeah no so. yeah <laughs> yeah I know yeah <laughs> your face I know all about it yeah so anyways yeah that's that's how that formed um, and uh, we uh, you know like you had touched on before I'm like a real fan at heart. And I just, my idea for the band was to put out releases kind of the same way all my favorite bands did. We've put out two seven-inch vinyl singles um, and toured on those and uh, played shows in New York. And it's been pretty cool, you know. It's a very, like, Motorhead-sounding band. Right. So, like, uh, I hate to say this, but people that are fans of my projects, it's uh, yeah, yeah. more than what they would expect, you know. Right. Like rock and roll. In the That's st- kind of what I got from it, yeah. Yeah, in the sound of those 70s, 80s metal acts. So I was looking at, um, I was looking at Motorhead on parole. Like, I like I was over at Richie's house for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And, you know, they've just got music going. Tw- like, Cyrus loves Motorhead. Oh, great. You know, yeah. so, like, they've just got... We've got we've got like his you know great aunt Sandy is like sitting there hanging out and all of a sudden they've just got dude like all these different sizes of chairs and shit just like a Tice Thanksgiving it was cool oh dude and and uh, but he That's had awesome. like Motorhead going on the on the TV just the whole time yeah just you know looping YouTube videos of their albums and shit and so like I'm sitting there at the table and like the cover for on parole just like pops up in my periphery and I like looked over at it and I immediately thought of you and I thought of like the overdose record. Oh, cool. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, cause it's, it's that same kind of like one, maybe two color, like early simple, like print press type of covers with like, you've got your central design and your, and your like cool looking metal graphic and all that. Like, like it looks old and it looks original and it looks kind of handmade. You know what I mean? Thanks. And man. I've and I've seen that show up in your stuff and I was like, I immediately thought of that. 
Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. No, I appreciate it. Like, that means the world to me when, like, other fans or people I respect are like, oh, dude, I get what you're I doing. Get <laughs> like, I get it. I get it. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, like, yeah. I can I can tell what you like. I can tell, you know, where your heart's at and that, for yeah. sure. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so, so what do you guys have out so far? We have two singles out. Um, they're not like splits, they're just our own. So it's like basically four songs recorded and pressed to vinyl. We sold out of the first single, uh, about to be out of the second one. Um, and we're actually going on tour next month. How do you manage to sell out of vinyl so well? Because I see you do that with like releases on your label too. I work really hard at it. And yeah. I, I mean, I, I go to the post office every single like, day. Like what does your workflow look like? Like what is your – like? For the people who think that you're just like crushing it like it's nothing, let them know what the what the workflow is. Like, what are you doing on on a daily basis for the label to sell records? I mean, my regular week is working three to four jobs, like regular jobs, and then before and after those jobs, each day I probably spend six plus hours doing the label or the band. So it sounds like a, it's a lot. Right, right, right. right. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I I get an order, I pack it up, I go to the post office, I wait in line every single day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, aside from that, I'm promoting online. I'm letting other people know. I'm writing hundreds and thousands of emails, contacting distributors, record labels, and, and, and other record stores all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and friends and, and just networking and, and not really, like, beating people's doors down with like press kits because that shit's lame and it doesn't work but like you know hey one time I went to Tokyo and I went to a guy's record store let me write him a email and be like hey man would you mind stocking my my band's you know two seven inches and, and oh sure no problem like that kind of shit so um, you just go and solicit it and and I mean I'm sure you don't hear back from everybody but you I mean how many record stores are we talking about you're just going and looking places up and sending them yeah sending your stuff I mean I've I've been a, been doing it for a long time so. so you have relationships with people right and but those relationships started just by asking yeah I'm just not afraid to ask and and do things myself. You know right. what I mean? I don't think anything's too far out of reach. So, you know, some G. Well, you got really long arms. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm very sensitive about my Good height. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Continue. My vertical <laughs> handicap. I'd appreciate it if we don't talk about it on there. Now, um, yeah, man. So, I mean, you know, like I've been buying and selling records like – for a long time, and, and, you know, every time I was on tour, I would stop at a record store and introduce myself and hang out. Not for, like, personal gain or, you know, because I'm some crazy opportunist. I just, like like I said, love the music and wanted right. to meet more people that are part of that community. And so if you do something, you know, that, you're, that you love and, and it's a very small group, you'll eventually get to know all those people, like, kind of everywhere. And right. So, yeah, I scan back through all my contacts of people I know and ask favors, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so that's how I get rid of a lot of records. And, and when when 
things on the internet look like they're sold out and I've I've sold 507 inches at $8 each that he must have what is the math on that 4 grand or something Oh but it all goes back into yeah most of it's sold wholesale for no profit Right right, um, right. so that some other dude can middleman it and make his dollar Right 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 right, right. So which is fine but I mean I I uh I'm happy to just move copies and get them out there I Yeah was, yeah some of my favorite bands that I, you know, spend years of my life looking for their one seven inch from 1979. Yeah, they only made 500 of them back then. So for me to have 500 and have them be gone, and then maybe in 30 years, some crazy person like me will be scouring. You know, the, right, right. I don't know. Yeah. So so that's kind of what Splattered Records is about: is specifically getting like really deeply forgotten, obscure, like like rock and roll records, right? Yeah, that's, pretty that's, much. With that, I mean, I never really set out with like this big thought out like business. That's model. just the stuff that you're into. Yeah, and it just kind of developed. I did one release, sold them all, and was like, "Cool, try another one." And then it just, you know, snowballed. Right. And then, then I, I look back at what I've done throughout this year, and I was like, oh, "I guess I kind of have an idea of the style I'm doing." You know. Right. And, yeah. So it's mostly like hard rock or early heavy metal, proto punk. There's all these right, right, right funny words, but I mean, for me, man, like. That label is something I've loosely done for a long time to kind of like fund my art habit. Right. Um, but it, ideally, uh, I just want to keep a lot of expensive, hard to find records um, around for younger kids nowadays so that they're affordable and they can have that same experience I did when I was younger. Right. Um, right. That's really cool. Thanks. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I'll find. I'll find some dude in England that made some heavy metal 7-inch in 1980. And see if he has any copies of it and just buy them from him? Well, sometimes I already – most of the time I already have the record, the original. And then I'll be like – I'll look up how much it's selling for and I'll be like, oh, my God, dude. And I'll be like, no one's ever reissued this thing? And then I'll, you know, through the power of the internet, find all these old British bastards and I'll be like, listen – I know this is going to sound crazy, but your seven inch that you shit out when you were 16 <laughs> is worth $700. One of them's like, I'm a Jehovah's Witness now. <laughs> right, like, right, like, right. I'm still at the same pub I've been at <laughs> yeah, since yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and, and most of the time, these guys are like so happy that someone went to that, you know, like. Found their stuff. Right. Found it, loved it. Um, you know, sometimes they're delusional and they're just like, I knew I could always cash in, you know, and then they're like, finally, like 40 years later, I'll be $10,000. I'm like, you're crazy. See ya, you know, <laughs> but like, um, you know, but it's. Does that really happen? It has happened. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but no, this is my ticket. Yeah. And I do it, you know, I do everything in small pressings. I do it true to the format. If it's a single, I do a single again and I do. Yeah, like I said, like 500 of them, and then I just sell them till they're gone. You know, I don't ask for much for them, pretty much wholesale, and so I can make a little bit of money back and right. and put it towards another thing. So, um, yeah, it's been, I mean, in 2019, I told myself after working a bunch of shit jobs working in New York, I was like, dude, my passions aren't going away. My love for this shit is not going away. Um I need to start shifting. You'll appreciate this as a life coach or whatever. It is like I need to shift my energy, um, you know, to what I really love, yeah. whether, whether it makes me money or not. Yeah. And so my label I'd always loosely done. I've given it a big push. I did, I think, 15 releases this year. 
And uh, wow, which is like from going. You've from, been fucking busy, man. Yeah, thanks. On top That's of working three, four jobs. That's and, crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm nuts. And uh, so I, I did all that. Um, it's tough to be that guy. Yeah. You know, I, I'm that guy, but I'm not that. I'm not that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm that guy. Like I'm, I'm intense and annoying to the people around me when it comes to my shit. But dude, you're like on another level. Like you are like full on lifelong committed to dude running, running your shit, man. Like doing the, you know, doing the band and, and, and running this label the way you are. Like I'm, I had no idea that so much went into it. Yeah. Like I really didn't know so much went into it, man. That's crazy. Thanks. No, I don't, you know, like, I really want, I mean, I really, you know, I think more, not to be morbid, um, but like I think about if I were to die, you know, like randomly. I don't think that's morbid. I think that that's, I think that's wise. Right. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Begin with the end in mind, man. Well, and if, if that were to happen, I mean, like, you know, you can leave behind this kind of, hopefully, like I would like to be looked at as someone that like respected what he loved and really did his homework and, and kind of contributed to that lineage of of rock and roll or whatever you know and what, what what do you want what do you want for your byline byline yeah are you, that you, tombstone you, line? yeah what, what do you want what do you want for your tombstone what do you want on your tombstone no like um if you could break it down like uh like you know abraham lincoln um Freed the slaves and signed the, the Emancipation Proclamation, or like free freed the slaves and ended the Civil War. Oh, like, like my earmark, like to my yeah, <laughs> like like when people, pe- like how do you want to be remembered? Like, what do you want that byline to be? I mean, really, I mean, I'd like to be, you know, memorialized. I I, I guess one more. I don't know. I I seriously do not have an ego, and it's funny because a lot of people that try to do what I do, they have the biggest ego on earth, mm. and I'm like very humble and very like that don't want to be in spotlight you know but like right so i don't really like the idea of being like memorialized like in this big grandiose way you know like i think about like lemmy dying and they, they erected this like ridiculous statue of him like in the rainbow and shit and i'm like dude that guy would have hated that more than anybody i know, you know? but I know. anyways now the fu- the funeral too had a lot of like funerals are for the living man yeah like it's our opportunity to go and and jerk each other off about how we each knew other off. Yeah, yeah. It's like an award ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I know, but totally. I mean, so, but I mean, I looked up, I looked up to lifers, and being a lifer came naturally. And when people lifers died, you could see that if you look back through their life. You know, what I mean, they weren't just you know some people were chasing the spotlight and always trying to be like you know. They're very vain and want to be famous or whatever. Right. I just really wanted to contribute to what I love and have people look back and be like, wow, that was cool. That dude like kind of kept that flame alive a little bit more, right. a little bit longer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, that's about it. So, I mean, like with the as far as the label goes, like when I was buying records as a kid, my favorite labels – were labels that would put out like 37 inches in their short career in like England. They'd be like some small punk label from 1980 to 1983. Right. They did 25 singles that really like helped form the genre. Right. So you go back to the history books and you're like, holy shit, like that label was really important, but look at how short-lived it was. Ah, 
perfect. Right. And so I was like, <laughs> I was like, You're I was speaking like speaking Gordo's language. Here. <laughs> I mean, I was like, oh yes. <laughs> I was like, man, I should push this label, throw a little bit of money that I have at it. And if it folds and I do like 20 releases, that's perfect. Maybe I'll end up and just be like, you know, You'll a little that, blip dude. on the radar, like perfect blip. <laughs> dude, we, uh, anyways, like one of the, one of the things like when I was thinking about this on my way over here, um, manic Aaron makes a lot of fucking trouble for depressed Aaron, mm-hmm. you know, like. But so like I do a bunch of stuff when I'm like manic and like really in a good mood and excited about what I'm working on. And then when I come down and I've got to actually do the thing and I'm in like the depressive thing, it's like, fuck you, manic Aaron, you fucking piece of shit. But like one of the things that um, uh, fucking that manic Aaron does is like like you're talking about with with the label, like like if even if it folds, like, it's like, ah, oh, perfect. I did this, you know, I created this thing and I can be that guy in the future. Manic Aaron has this crazy idea that like, you know how, what is it on the Voyager one? There's like a record on it. That's like, like hello in a bunch of languages. And then it's got like Chuck Berry on it and like Dizzy Gillespie and shit like that. Like that thing was shot into space with the hopes of one day reaching extraterrestrial life. Yeah. Like I have this fantasy in my brain that it's going to be like, you know, since like our music is out there, it is like theoretically possible that some like alien species in the future, yeah. you know, will stumble across it and be like, this is the greatest band I have ever heard in my life and yeah. like form an entire culture on their planet based around it. You know what I mean? Like that's that's an exciting notion, the possibility that theoretically, maybe not practically, but theoretically your music could live forever. Yeah. It can be passed on like across the universe until the universe ceases to exist. Like I think that that's a really cool I think that's probably the coolest thing about making art is that you make it, you pull it out of nothing, and then it can it can exist forever. You know, pictures of the Mona Lisa could last forever. You know, pictures of Starry Night or, or prints of Starry Night could last forever. Yeah. You know? That's cool. Yeah. No, I like that. And it's... I mean... It, 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 it's pretty bitching. On top of that, thank you. And on top of that, I mean, not only is like the physical relics of these things are are, are the physical relics of these things left on the earth, like my idea of keeping that music and that genre alive um, when most labels won't fuck with it, right, is important too. You know, because who knows? Maybe I could inspire a bunch of sixteen-year-olds in Norway to start a bunch of fucking badass like right. You know, bands that sound like the old ones I'm reissuing. Yeah, you, you. I saw you did a release recently that was some like motorcycle rock band from Belgium from yeah. like the nineteen late nineteen sixties, right? Oh uh, no, uh, well, early mid seventies, nineteen seventy six. Mothers of Track. Yeah. Mothers of Track is yeah. what they're called. Yeah, that's great. Dude, it's hilarious. That's great. Yeah. So, so what's your what's your plan going forward with with overdose? What's your plan going forward with the label? You're gonna stay in New York. You're gonna you're gonna do the old guy thing. What are you gonna do? <laughs> I mean, right now I'm just gonna keep pushing it 
my life is kind of a chaotic, so I never really have like a five-year plan. But um, Right. You're just going with it. I signed another year lease in New York, so I'll be there another year. Yep. And um, yeah, I'm just going to keep pushing the label and the band. And, uh, you know, I thought I thought by my age I would, I would be burnt out and bitter and frustrated with my experiences in the past and, and, and what I've kind right. of overcome. And, and I, you probably are to a degree, but you also <laughs> still care enough to keep doing it anyway, right? Well, yeah, and I, I just uh, – none of my passions for the things I've always loved have really gone away. Right. So I think as I get older, get older I want to spend more time on them rather than try to bury them and, like, work some job I hate and do what I'm – right. You know, well, for what purpose? Why? I mean, that's the thing. There's no reason to. Yeah. Like it's like I will always work to support my family, and I want my son to have everything that he can. But th- I mean, that doesn't mean you have to go get a job that you hate. <laughs> you know that there's options now, man. It's not yeah. like the only place in town is the fucking mill. You know, <laughs> like like. There's fucking options, man. You can do stuff. You can make a family and still do the shit that you like to do. You know, you can... Don't oh, put down the mill, man. Yeah. <laughs> that I is, really like it at the mill. The mill gave a lot of people a lot of jobs in this town. <laughs> this town wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for the mill. I won't have you running down the mill. They're an essential part of this community and its economy. You know what you are is you're a goddamn communist. That's what you are. <laughs> They both y'all put on accents. To do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to a weird place there. Sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, and you know, speaking of that, one of the amazing things about being in New York City is like the list of like opportunities and and ways you can go about earning money to get by. It's is crazy. Like, it's insane, dude. And you meet people out there who you're just like, what do you do for the living? They're like, oh, well, I'm like a foot doctor on soap operas and I also I like film toenails for YouTube and I'm a millionaire. You're like, dude, what the fuck? We have a... Uh, like, I kind of hate it, but I'm like, oh, fuck. It's crazy, good, dude. Good for you. <laughs> uh, Sarah has a very good friend who just came to visit us yesterday who she like is one of the most sought after like designer nails chicks like she's like a like she's like the shit in the nails community yeah that's funny you know what i mean like like she's like a an influencer an instagram influencer in the nails community and like one of the most booked out like she does amazing stuff like it's it they're works of art really i'll have to find some pictures sweet and savvy nails check it out seriously um but she came to visit us recently and it's like like she just shows us pictures of all these insane like theme parties that she goes to and all this wacky stuff that's going on in New York like every night of the week all the time and yeah, it's bizarre. And it, dude, it's just like and like by the time it gets out to us here in Denver, you know, like well, that looks crazy out there. Good oh. thing it's a little slower out here, you know. <laughs> that's a little too fast paced for my blood, but you know, yeah. just like seeing that like she did Kesha's nails oh yeah you know what I mean what if she did Cardi B's that's the top of the mountain dog (laughs) (laughs) Cardi B's from my neighborhood is she yeah Cardi B's from your neighborhood yeah have you met her no, no, no. She never comes back to she, like visit. She was born there, and then she like. Lived. Oh, she doesn't live in your neighborhood. No, right no. Now. Well, maybe I don't know. Maybe, but a lot of people that look like her do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Do they mention that Cardi B's from the neighborhood? Oh, my God. Over and over and right. over if, again? Yeah, if you ever want to hear her songs, just walk around. <laughs> you can hear them any hour of the day. That's great. It's like going to the Sunset Strip and seeing dudes that look like Nikki Six, man. You <laughs> <laughs> oh, just walk in the rainbow. I didn't think you guys were real. <laughs> <laughs> Your hair looks so fast. Did I... T- uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, too fast even. I remember going to the Rainbow for the first time when I was like much younger on tour and being like, how come every dude in here looks like Chris Angel? And I said it like really loud. And like I had, like everybody was really bummed. Oh yeah. Did I did I ever tell you about that Sounds like the perfect thing to say. I mean it was dude, it was like affliction <laughs> why shirts does everybody, and like Why does everybody in here look like Chris Angel? Yeah. yeah, that is what they all look like. I just I don't know. I I haven't I really like Chris Angel being the butt of any joke. Yeah, honestly. it's pretty good. It's just, yeah. We were, uh, so I went on the Monsters of Rock cruise with my dad and my Uncle Dan. Oh, awesome. And it was fucking. <laughs> I'm already intrigued. Dude, it was fucking awesome. It's like Doro, Uli John Roth, fucking uh, Tesla, Halloween, um, Faster Pussycat, Extreme. Like, oh man, tons of just like awesome and shitty bands. Yeah. Like, the whole the whole gamut, right? And we are going through customs to get on the boat, and my uncle Dan is standing next to me, and I'm looking ahead of me, and there's this dude with the raven black hair and the soul patch and fucking the sunglasses and just like the L.A. guy, Nikki Six look, right? Yeah. And he's also like, and he's got you know the tattoos and it like. Like the whole everything, right? Yeah. And then he's wearing like his like Bermuda shorts and you know flip flops and whatnot. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is like some dude from like New Jersey that like fucking loves Motley Crue and right. is and just hasn't the 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 look hasn't given up the ghost yet, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like thinking to myself, how many fucking guys in this boat are gonna look like fucking Nikki Six? And right as I start thinking that, my uncle Dan taps me and he goes, hey. I think that's Nikki Six. <laughs> and I go, Uncle Dan, there's no possible way that that is Nikki Six. There's yeah. no, I mean, if it was, which it's not, he's not on this boat. He's up in the, the cabin, like he got on like priority boarding before anyone else. He's up in the suite away from the commoners. He's not sitting here at customs with us on his fucking Bermudas and flip flops, like showing his passport. <laughs> and he goes, no, I don't know, man. I think that's him. Yeah. That's definitely fucking him. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Oh, I thought the story was going to end with, and it was him. No, no, no. (laughs) It wasn't. It was just my Uncle Dan just fucking thinking that a guy who looks like Nikki Six was Nikki Six. That's so funny. Have you seen the the thing that's kind of like a bad lip reading of Vince Neil singing it? (laughs) (laughs) A Motley Crue show from like just a couple years ago or something? Yeah, he's awful. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it was pretty bad. I He's was like, awful. wow, that's, that's, that's amazing how can, bad that was. Can we talk for a minute more about that style of dress? We need to come of up course. with a name for it. Like, it's like the Chris Angel style. Like, it... Or it, either that or it's the um, the Pirates of the Caribbean style. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Jack Sparrow. <laughs> the Jack Sparrow. The Jack Sparrow with, like, a giant gold watch or, or, like, a diamond thing. I don't know. It's just, dude, and when I was on that ship... Like, seriously, no joke. I saw 300 guys (laughs) 
that had the soul patch, yeah, black hair, right. leather pants. Like that's where they go oh, yeah. to be together, yeah, the dude. Sunset Strip like, casualty. Yeah, lots of yeah. Jack Daniels branded stuff. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Jack Daniels, Jack Daniels. You know I like Jack Daniels. This, I got fucking Jack Daniels. Yeah. This is my Jack Daniels belt buckle. This is my Jack yeah. Daniels hat band. Yeah. This is my Jack Daniels cowboy hat. I mean. Some of that I personally am down with and think it is adorable. Like, won't lie, Ben Sturgis worn that stuff. Seen oh no, Motley no, Crew. no! I, Good hey, times. <laughs> I think I think it's great and all, but then like the funny part is that, like I've been on a cruise before that wasn't a rock and roll wash up yeah. fucking cruise. Yeah, and. The behavior is the same. The dress is just different. <laughs> yeah. So you have these guys with like, the, well, you have the raven black hair, soul patch, Nikki Six lookalikes, right. but they're standing around the pool in their swimming trunks and walking around in their flip flops and they're like yeah. drinking like a, a fancy uh, like boat drink or they're like taking their kids on a snorkeling trip down, you know, when they get, uh, when they're doing a shore excursion or they're like, they're at the buffet line and like kind of like turning the melon over to. Yeah. See if it's fresh and, you know, seeing if they have the right milk for their cereal and stuff like that. Like getting sunburned. You see them get like sunburns and they're like mesh tank tops and stuff like that. It's really funny because it's the same stuff that you see on a regular cruise ship with old people, but it's all dudes who look like Nikki Six. <laughs> it's like a Rick and Morty episode, man. That that style of dude, being someone that grew up in middle America, basically, and now that I live in the biggest city in the country, there is something about, like, L.A. and New York that that style exists. Yeah, and it's you know okay. I mean? and it's, oh, it's like, here, too. Well, I like, mean, we've got go to Long the, Island. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, my God. No, that's a totally different too story. many of you. Yeah, or like, or like Philadelphia. Yeah. Like, like Philly's pretty bad. What's funny, though, is because, you know, it's kind of a brash, like, culture out there. And, like, there's nothing weird about that. You're like, fucking rat. It's, fucking poison. It's Every Jersey Shore night. metal, dude. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's Jersey Shore metal. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the, um, uh, the Twisted Sister documentary? Yes, I love it. Oh, dude, it's so good because it's, it's like excellent. You know, you talk about you talk about like an old way of doing things. Like they got as big as they did because at that point the only options for entertainment were live bands. Dude, they put in the miles, dude. Yeah, they were playing five nights a week. Dude, they were playing five shows a night, five yeah. nights a week. You That's know, crazy. they're like bouncing around all the different clubs in the area. They're like, we do like the daytime show over at this place, and then we do the early evening show over at this place, and then we do the late night show over at this place. And yeah. like, dude, and you're like looking at pictures of the clubs that they were playing, and they were always packed. Yeah. And like the big enemy was like, like they did that thing where they was like everybody hated Barry White because he was like, like a an agent of disco, and everyone's like, boo disco, yeah. boo Barry White, disco's rolling in music. It's yeah. like because, like it was the end of bands, you know what I mean? Right. Which is what the thing that people got bummed out. They're like, no, I want to go to the club. I want to go see a live rock. Band, play a rocket show. Yeah. They were packed out, dude. Yeah. For hours. Hours and hours. People used to go out on the weekends and listen to rock music. People, it just I mean, doesn't happen. No, anymore. it doesn't happen anymore. But it, 
it's the coolest thing to me about that whole documentary. Like you watch a, a rockumentary these days, and it's like the whole A to Z story, you know. And it, right. They kind of skip over like like the like really important parts, and that whole documentary was just the early day from the day they started until they hit their break, and then that's it. And that's the that is the coolest thing because yeah. it's not like and then I got addicted to dope, and then I got addicted to sex, and then we broke up, and, well, then, then, and we then we that tried. That band worked their asses off. Right. Like they worked really hard that's the best like, part of their story yeah, that's what i'm I saying mean, like, like that's yeah, why it was cool it was the one had feature an insane work ethic you know like the shows that they were pulling is just like fuck well and they ran you know. it like a business yeah, yeah. you know yeah. what i mean like it was like when they talk about it they're like they're like yeah and we were doing the glam thing because the glam thing was pretty popular but it was kind of starting to go out at the time and we were dressing like we were dressing like chicks and no one was really doing that but we were really into it and yeah. and we you know we knew the chicks liked it when we dressed like the chicks so we kept dressing like chicks yeah, yeah. they f- they faced a lot of adversity in there I know dude <laughs> I mean, it's just oh dude it was insane the videos of D Snyder appearance is just it's epic when yeah. D Snyder calls people wimp like that is like such a like seventies East Coast like yeah. like tough guy thing to say. Hey, don't be a wimp and throw stuff at me. Come on up here. Yeah. Let me see your face. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good, dude. Well, shit, man. Um, so real quick, uh, I just want to say I really appreciate you coming and sitting and having a conversation with me. Like I'm really glad we could get this worked out. Um, I know you just came from the airport and went all the way, like went out to dinner and most people would be going to bed. I mean, we should probably be in bed right now, (laughs) but I, but I just don't know. Like, I'm glad we did it because I can't think of any other instance where we would have gotten to sit down and catch up. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. It's really cool, man. And I'm, I've been, I've been stoked about everything you've been doing for a long time. It's very, very cool. I'm glad that you've, you know, kept moving and kept your head above water even when things got rocky with Speed Wolf. You just you just keep doing it, man. You're a lifer for sure. And uh and I'm I'm excited to see what happens for you in the next 5 to 10 years. Thanks a lot. Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, thanks Gordo. I appreciate you guys doing it. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Yeah, we appreciate you being here, man. Yeah, it's thanks. a nice nice treat. I've like I said, I don't get under the spotlight often, so it's funny to sit here and talk about myself for three hours. <laughs> you, you know what, dude? I don't. I am losing interest more and more with with the spotlight. I was I was talking to a friend of mine today who is early on in his um, early on in his sobriety, and he's more of a program guy and more like he he actually went to rehab and and is more hardline. I just I just don't drink alcohol and don't use don't use cocaine or smoke cigarettes anymore. You know what I mean? Like I got rid of the things that were really fucking my life up. But I was talking to him about it today and I was talking about one of the major lessons that I learned was the ability to look at the behavior of actually drinking or whatever it was that I was doing and going what am I hoping I get from this? What is this going to allow me to do? What is the purpose of this behavior ultimately? After years and years of doing that, you start to figure out, you know, like, 
oh, the only reason I wanted to do this was like we talked about early on, you know, at the very beginning about like getting into punk rock and stuff. It's like, I want to connect with people. I want to, you know, I want to have friends. I want to have relationships. I want, you know, I want to have sex with a human being, you know, like, like I want, I want to have these connections. I want to be loved. I want to be liked, those type of things. And after quitting drinking and quitting smoking and quitting drugs, I've seen that tendency show up in other areas. You know what I mean? Whether it's, it's a social media addiction or it's a, you know, TV addiction or it's, you know, manifesting in some other way where it's other, some other kind of like impulsive behavior, right? Nikki Six addiction. A Nikki Six addiction. Yeah. Absolutely. Chris Angel mainline dog. Yeah, yeah. But I. <laughs> hey, it's hard not to get addicted to Chris Angel. I just love magic and hair gel <laughs> <laughs> and tribal tattoos <laughs> and facial piercings and, and late era scorpions. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, big city night. You know, <laughs> I fucking great. I have. It has occurred to me like recently like that there is a division between the like jamming with my friends part and what i get from that and then the like part who is trying to succeed in music you know and i realized that you know we talked about the the guys that like we got to make it guys that are in the band and they're kind of chasing that validation and chasing that acknowledgement because of what, you know, some, some type of esteem or love or admiration that it's going to get for him. And as time goes on, I am getting less and less and less interested in obtaining the fame part because from where I'm sitting, it is awful to be famous. Now it is terrible to be famous. It's basically just putting a big, fucking bullseye on your forehead man for yeah. those people to just like throw rocks at you yeah i mean it, nowadays the quick t- turnover everything you're just gonna uh, it's like flash in a pan who's gonna be the next flash in the pan right and like if you really want to achieve and be someone who's like timeless and like known for being someone who had a long contribution right just keep doing what you've always done yeah you know what i mean you don't have to like absolutely yeah, yeah. you're not trying yeah. to go viral Right, right, right. Trying to, you know, stick around. <laughs> oh, dude. Like, I am so, um, I am so over chasing, like, you know, the new hack or tip to get more followers or to get, you know, how to beat the algorithm or use these hashtags and blah, blah, blah. It's like yeah. every day I've got something else I got to learn to, like, game the system. And I'm like, man, with all this time that I'm trying to fucking game these platforms that are going to be gone in fucking five years anyway or going to be something else entirely in five years you know it's like i could be writing a song or i could be having a conversation with tony you know what i mean and this podcast has been one of the first things that i've done in a while that feels like it's a useful piece of of content You know, I don't even like to use the term, but like it feels like it's an actual valuable piece of content because it's sitting down and having conversations with people and like, I don't know, 
doing doing well, something else that I really love doing. It's based on yeah. actual connection. Well, and you know, that's the like, whole purpose of doing the band in the first place. Yeah. That's the whole purpose of every other fucking impulsive behavior that I've engaged in is to connect with other people and to have that relationship and 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 that man, I would advise everybody do this. I think you should go back to New York and start a podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? I'm spread pretty thin, but uh, <laughs> it's know. easy. Just turn on your phone and just record you talking about records that you like. I'll yeah. bet you it would do really well. Yeah, uh, my luck. I'll forget it's on, and it'll just be like farts and hear me <laughs> typing. Like, hey, we've done email. that too. We've done some <laughs> bad episodes. Yeah, bad. But I've liked every single one of them. I think it's great, man. I'd it's like to think it's gotten better. Yeah. You know, oh, it's like, definitely gotten better. And that's thanks to Gordo. Shout out to Gordo. I hey. appreciate you, man. I appreciate hey. you being on here, too. Uh, I'll shout at you right back. Ah! <laughs> All right. My kid's going to wake me up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Damn. Dude, I saw a really great video of that kid eating Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> so great I, lo- I love I don't know if there's something about I, I, my niece I love watching her eat food it's crazy oh dude it's he was like so full insane. on slapping a pile of beans yeah, man yeah, yeah. Just, just like, like his dad dude. just yeah. like his dad we, remember couldn't keep his hand out of the beans <laughs> yeah. oh sick beans <laughs> Oh, sick. Are you going to eat these beans? Yeah, I went Can to the Taco Bell with Aaron. <laughs> Don't order beans. Dude, story. Uh, <laughs> so I got the chili relleno plate, and uh, Aaron got the rice and beans on the side and just started slapping them on the table. Yeah, man. Um, By the way, I'm very proud of you, family, dad thing. And uh, the fact that you're part of the Tice family is, is pretty uh, It's incredible. pretty righteous, dude. And it's great. I'm sure you're an incredible dad. Thanks, man. I'm having a lot of fun. He's my favorite person. He's my favorite person. Yeah. Like, I've never, like, you know, I mean, there are obviously things that I could do better. I can, I can be negligent in my way. I can be absent in, in my way, you know. But I try to just, like, I try to make it all about him. Like, reading stories to him is, like, my favorite thing to do. I fucking love it. And he <laughs> loves it, dude. I'm, like, giving him a bath and doing silly voices and playing songs for him. Like, yeah. dude, I have more fun playing songs on my acoustic guitar for my fucking eight-month-old than I've had playing a show with a band in a long time. Yeah. It's great. That's great. Man. Like, I mean, in, it, me from the past, it, it was, like, looking through a future telescope, if such a thing existed, would be very, very sad to see me right now. But, it, dude, I love it. Yeah, it's great. Give uh, give him and Sarah my best. Man. I will. I will. Oh, and um, I wanted to mention one thing real quick that – I wanted to um, I wanted to commend you for contacting Logan when you think he got when you thought he got kicked out of the band. Wait. Oh, oh yeah, like what happened? It was something oh, like on Instagram. So right? he had to have he had to have a surgery done. Right. So he wasn't able to do the original Hank show which ended up getting canceled anyway. Yeah. But we still did the show because we prepared for it so Logan couldn't play bass. And so we put up a picture of the show that we did with Andy Burkhoff filling in and Logan told me you actually reached out to him and you were like, "What happened?" Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. Dude, and he told me that and I was like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool that Reed like gave a shit. 
Yeah, yeah dude. That's really neat. Dude, you and him have, like, Forever. I mean, amongst other people, have kept that band going since y'all were Forever. very little. You know, Forever, like, man. Logan's Logan's yeah. been my ride or die forever, man. Yeah. It's like... Mostly no, just ride. <laughs> yeah, in the back seat, asleep. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for coming on and hanging out. Really Thank you. Appreciate thanks it. again. Thanks to all our listeners. Um, you all keep growing, and we'll keep showing up and doing the show, and... Uh, I can't remember who's on next week, but we're not going to jinx it anyway and say who it is. But Don't we, jinx it. Dude, oh, can I say one quick thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Overdose is going on tour in January with uh, Lucifer and Savage Master for two weeks. Oh, cool. Adam so, Neal. Yeah, yeah, Adam Neal. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Lucifer from Sweden. Uh, it's got Nick Anderson, who was in uh, Entombed and the Helicopters. And, oh, tight. Um, anyways, yeah, we're doing a southern U.S. tour for two weeks. Would That's love cool, it. man. Everybody listening comes and checks it out. Yeah, where can people find all your stuff? Uh, Facebook and Instagram. My label, Splattered Records, has its own website. Uh, and uh, we have our social media pages, and I'm always updating it with all that shit. So It's cool, man. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, yeah, every week we do the one for the homies shout-out. And the one for the homies shout out is you pick a band that you feel could use a little extra love. It can be a friend. It can be someone from your label. It can just be something that you think people should know about. And we will take one of those songs and we will tack it on the end of the episode so that people can listen to all they're trying to figure out what podcast they want to listen to next. Okay. Uh, I can think of one band from my label, actually. I you know, since I do reissues of old bands, this is the right. only modern band other than my own that I released this year. It's a band from Pittsburgh called Mower, and it just sounds like Motorhead. It fucking rips. Cool. And, uh, yeah, it's like total speed freak motorcycle music. Cool. And, uh, yeah, check it out. Right on. All right. So we're going to close with some Mower. Sweet. Uh, thank you for listening to episode 83 of the motherfucking podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Gord. I'm sorry. I was trying yeah, to write all this well, stuff down. Yeah. Yeah, diddling on the doodad. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for listening, guys, um, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.
The motherfucking podcast is recorded at the Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado, and hosted by Aaron Howell, Tony Lee, Logan O'Connor, and occasionally even Ty Blosser of the international power rock combo, Motherfucking Ruckus. Our producer in the studio is Gordon Ledfoot. Our producers in Chicago are Gene Skibbins and Adam Zielinski. All music except homie shoutouts and featured artists is written and performed by MF Ruckus and comes from the album The Front Lines of Good Times Volume 1, coming this fall on Rodeo Star Records. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, if you find this podcast valuable or entertaining and you wish to support MF Ruckus further, you can rate, review, share, subscribe, follow us on any of our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. If you really want to help us do what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash mfruckus and become a patron at any level. Our patrons get access to exclusive content, early releases, guest list spots, even VIP parties with beer and food, all in exchange for a small monthly contribution. It really does make a difference and allows us to do this podcast, make records, create videos, go on tour, fly Tony back and forth, and all the other stuff we love to do for you guys. Patreon.com slash MFRuckus. Check it out. Thanks again, guys. You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at MutinyInfoCafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 